Hey, damn guys. Welcome to Book Club Member Comics. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Bobby Lovers. I'm Danielle. And I'm Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr! Hayden in the house. Member. Yeah, awesome. That's great. This is your official first appearance on the podcast, right? Because um, we had you on our other podcast, our Hellboy Book Club, yeah. but you didn't even know that was going to be an episode. Right. So We did that test call uh, just to, to make sure everything was going to work good for this episode, and then me and you just kind of nerded out about sort of Hyperborea for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that was fun. That was a good li- That was fun yeah. to listen to. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, but thank you for coming back on this week to join the book club. I'm excited to get into our book club episode. I would love to shout out Hayden Orr, a book club member. Oh, yeah. There hey! Because <laughs> normally I have the pleasure of reading all of your uh, listener feedback, but this time you're here. <laughs> I, uh, I actually was thinking about uh, leaving feedback on the last episode, but I was like, ah, I'm going to be on the show. Nice. It, nice. It's fine. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Live listener feedback. There you yeah, go. There it is. We can get <laughs> yeah. it from you Love straight. It. Book club members. I do have a correction from last week, though. Okay. Uh, last week I said that Clancy Brown uh, was the voice of the Mahler twins in the cartoon. It's actually Kevin Michael Richardson. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Kevin Michael Richardson. Who else has he done? That name is familiar. Oh, fuck. Oh, he does so yeah, many voices. Yeah. Do you watch? Uh, do you watch American Dad? No, I haven't seen that. Uh, did you watch that the Batman series where the Joker yes, had like he, Rasta dreads? Yeah, he was He's the voice of the, was Joker the Joker in that. Oh, okay. He was really good as a what Joker. What was his name? Kevin Michael Richardson. Wasn't that one of the first like times they did Joker where they um, invited uh, someone else besides Mark Hamill, I think, to, to voice the Joker? That was kind of one of the first times they tried that in an animated series. I yeah, well, because I mean. they, were, they, were, yeah. they were trying to distance themselves. Not distance themselves. No, they were but just different, they were doing a different thing. Differentiate sure. themselves right. from the, that series. Yeah. Because that series had just ended and all that. Yeah, and they were trying to do another thing. Yeah. Which he's come back and done it in like, other stuff since then like video games or something probably right? oh yeah so. the, the arkham series yeah, and then a this, couple of yeah. uh oh nice DC, like animated films yeah he did the terrible uh adaption of the killing joke right oh they no did. <laughs> and since then like Which a lot is... of people have done the voices and you know oh yeah even uh, jo- uh john dimaggio the guy that voices yeah. bender from futurama has done joker a couple times right. so there's there's been a lot of Oh damn! Okay, so years. on um, the Simpsons, he's Doctor Hibbert. Mm-hmm. He's like oh. a ton of people on the Simpsons. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, well that that's actually new because yeah, they uh, uh, since recast two thousand and nine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but he's done a ton of voices. He's also on Masters of the Universe Revelation. Yeah, he's he's everywhere. Like when I when I saw, him, I was like, oh, right. Oh, he's in Modoc. I love that show. And he's got he's got a good. He's voice. so many characters in that. Oh yeah, he he's one of those voice actors where you look at his IMDb it's and you're like, oh list. fuck, he's that guy yeah. and this guy and yeah. that guy too. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, cool. thanks for that correction, Aubrey. Good yeah, stuff. Really cool. All right, and now we're gonna go on to our listener feedback. Listener feedback. <laughs> oh man, excellent. <laughs> story we talk about it you hate them guys us and it's a book club get out drink. we got a hey you damn guys from drew campbell. drew campbell book club member nice that's right <laughs> yeah regarding our baltimore episode drew said a couple years ago i was driving home from a job site in morgan city louisiana and i saw a tower peeking through the top of the woods on the edge of the lake curious I looked for a turn that might lead me to it so I could see what it was. 
turns out it was a Carillon Tower. So it's like those same bell towers that were in Baltimore, situated in a beautiful little nature park. It even included a bird sanctuary. Oh, wow. It's called the Bronwell Memorial Park and Carillon Tower. And according to the brochure, it's one of the highest Carillons in the world with 61 bronze bells that were cast in Holland that that range in weight from 18 to 4,730 pounds and span five full octaves. Wow. Wow. And this is in Louisiana? Yeah. What? That's crazy. Um, it's amazing. He says, there was no live performances of the bells while I was there, but I did get a video of some of the automated tunes it plays every so often. I don't think it turned me into a zombie, though. <laughs> I can't be sure. Uh, an interesting side note, the lady at the Park Visitor Center told me that the first ever Tarzan movie was filmed in that area in 1917. I guess the Louisiana swamps look like African jungles. Okay. Question mark. Oh wow. <laughs> but they were like close enough. That is so interesting. Yeah, I mean back back then, you know, nobody knew what stuff looked like when they were or going cared. to the movies. They, or cared. Yeah, they were just like, "That's a man swigging from a vine." Yeah. <laughs> we're not too far from that. Yeah. Morgan City, Louisiana. Yeah, it's pretty close. Man, I, like I, we gotta go down there. We're because we're in that area sometimes. We're in there and we go to Lake Charles. I would love to check that out. Yeah. Very cool. You should Thank see you, when they Drew. do their live performances yeah, and plan a trip around it. Awesome. And there's like a bird sanctuary down there as well. So Yeah, we love that. That's awesome. We also heard from Tom Barnett. Tom Barnett. Book club member. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about um, some of our recommendation stuff we've been reading, and Tom shared some of his uh, Ooh, things that he's been reading. Awesome. I thought this was really cool. I love it. He said I've fallen behind on my comic book reading but i've mostly caught up doing some rereads and damn eric powell is so good i mean i already knew but it's good to revisit your faves i need to check out his did you hear what eddie gein done that's the latest like self-published thing i think he did through albatross okay Um, i think they did like a kickstarter for it or something like that tom says he's in my top five artists of all time so great do you follow eric powell hayden at all oh yeah yeah i've got um I think all of the, except for like the the very newest uh, issues of the Goon, I've got all the collected editions. I've got Hillbilly. I'm a big Eric Powell fan, nice. and I actually have a uh, a copy of Did You Hear What Eddie Gein Done? It, he didn't write it. Uh, a true crime author worked with him and uh, wrote you know all the oh, wow. dialogue and everything, and he just drew it. But I mean, there's some really striking images in that book that are based on you know real accounts of what ed gein would do you know yeah. when he was alone uh in the farmhouse and stuff that sounds really cool but i'm i don't know if i i think that sounds kind of disturbing oh it's very it, yeah it's disturbing there's um there's a panel where eric powell had to draw a nipple belt because when the police raided uh ed gein's thing. Yeah, Ed Gein's home, he had made himself a belt of human nipples. Don't like that. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't like that at yeah. all. But it's 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 really interesting. Uh, they really go, like, a good portion of it is about his childhood and, like, his fucked up uh, relationship with his mother and yeah. all that. So it's it's a very interesting, like, psychological profile, I guess, with some really great art. I do love huh. true crime. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Uh, that sounds really cool, though. Um, Not if cool is the right word because those are people who are murdered. Well, he uh, he actually, I think he only killed two women. Oh, well, uh, the then, rest. That's okay. He dug. He, well, he, he, dug <laughs> he dug a lot of bodies. He, up. Yeah. Oh, gross. Yeah, okay. that was, that was where he got like all the raw material. Was, I see. Like, grave robbing. Okay. 
But he, uh, he did not, kill, not I think it was two women. Not yeah, it's not better, but... It's not better. Um, Tom also had another recommendation that you might like. Mm-hmm. He said, I've also, over the last two weeks, binged volume one through six. That's a lot of comics. Wow. Of, of Zadarsky's Daredevil run. Nice. So oh, good. Okay. Uh, he said, why didn't anyone at my local comic book store, Fanfare Comics, he shot out his local comic book store, good job. Why didn't anyone tell me? Oh, wait, they did. <laughs> over fair. and over. Well, better late than never. Awesome. So they've been trying to get awesome. him to read it a long time, and he finally did it and was like, yes, actually. Yeah, That's and good. I, I'm going to read six volumes of it. That's like 30 comics, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Right? That, that's right like, on, that's, a, that's yeah. a fucking eldritch tones worth of comics. <laughs> we appreciate the commitment. Yeah, and that's that new Daredevil stuff. That's nice. the stuff with the uh, Electra becomes Daredevil. You know, at one point, I guess, in the run. Okay. I don't. I don't know if that's a huge spoiler. It's like everywhere. Oh, should we? Do, I don't. I don't know. Okay, okay, guys, if you d- if you didn't want to know that, just just pretend like you didn't hear. Go it. back in time. <laughs> Go back yeah, in time. Don't, skip. don't look at all those advertisements that Marvel has put out where she's clearly on the cover in oh, the Daredevil they doing costume. That? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been for months. I've now, missed right? all of this. Oh, I don't yeah. Know. yeah, I think. It, it pretty, I think around the same time that they announced that they're giving the Punisher that new like uh, sim, uh, skull symbol, and conservatives lost their fucking minds over that. <laughs> okay. Great. And then they said, Electra's now Daredevil. What do you anything, think of that? Is there anything they don't lose? Their, yeah. Their little minds over. Did you have any listener feedback, Hayden? Actually, I was uh, curious now that we. Okay, have, you should uh, type it up and I'll read it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no. yeah. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me log out and then I'll, I'll go do that and I'll come right back. No, go ahead. No, no, what you do is you can text her and then she'll read your text. <laughs> oh, online. yeah, yeah. There we go. No, go for it. But, uh, no, I was uh, curious if you guys were planning on. I know Aubrey, didn't you say you've seen the uh, the Amazon Invincible? Yes, I've seen show? it. I have. John and Danielle, are you going to check it out now that you've uh, pretty much got past I the point where it would be spoiled? Oh, okay, for you? right on. Well, oh, we've we'll gotten past the point where that. I guess we. I guess. Well, we I think will. A big reveal. We will. Oh we yeah. Oh, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot. You didn't get to the actual. Yeah, yeah, you've got a, you've got a couple more issues, okay. and then you Aubrey can, will tell us. Aubrey will yeah. tell Aubrey us when we can watch now. it. He'll take he'll, care so of this He'll whole say now you can watch it. So you could you could, ba- yeah. you could basically watch up to the, like the last, except for the last few episodes of that. Okay, right okay. awesome. Aubrey's gonna yeah. get on top of. Yeah, this I want to watch here. it. So yeah, we'll probably if, uh, and if I'm watching it, Danielle will watch it or see some. Oh uh, yeah, it, I'll probably, be in yeah. there. Just a heads up, it's very good. The voice acting's great. Oh, it's great. Okay, I like that. Oh, God, but what's they, his name from The Walking Dead? Stephen Yun Steven is Yun. Uh, Mark. And oh, nice. um, I like his J. Voice Jonah acting. Jameson is uh, Nolan. I'm blanking on names oh. right now. Oh. Uh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, yes. He's great. He's he's uh, Omni-Man. Oh, he's so, great. Uh, that would, that's yes. perfect San, casting. Sandra O oh is Debbie. Just a heads up to Danielle, though. It is pretty uh, gnarly right. at some points. Yeah, there's uh, but they the, they the, put even the scene where Omni Man. Hey, oh yeah, yeah, hey. they give her shorts. I'll take that. Of All right, underwear. I'll take that. Very cool. But uh, that's the scene where Omni Man uh, kills the Guardians of the Globe. Is fucking. It's a lot more drawn out than in the comic. Right. Yeah, so, so it gets pretty. Some of the stuff that John will have on uh, sometimes, like the over under on that, will be like. If I can take my eyes off the screen for a couple seconds and it's fine and the story continues, cool. If it's the majority of the show and it's still like a lot of like screaming in agony and being tortured, I'm just like, I go to a different room and do a different thing. And it's fine. Like, you know, he's welcome to watch as much of that as he wants. It's just like whether or not I'll join him for an entire 
uh, viewing of something is just kind of like the ratio of how much I can ignore to how much is of, of the time am I spent ignoring it is like if it's the whole if thing I I'm could, just gonna uh, find something else to yeah. do this doesn't interest it, me it's, but it's not like I'm too sensitive or something it's just it's fucking boring after a while. I'm like, all right, great. Gore and stuff. Okay, I'm not interested. Yeah. I'm just not interested in it. It's, it's about, not so much that I'm well, offended by it. I'm just not interested in it. So it's like, that's it, a yeah, determination yeah. I'll have to just make on the fly. I would think that the violence well, is a, is on par with the violence in the comics and the ratio. It'll be fine then. I think yeah. it'll be fine. There's there's one particularly like really awful part at the, I think it's in the last <laughs> Uh, second to last episode between when yeah. uh, Nolan and Mark fight each other. Don't don't spoil but that. But that's really like <laughs> John's no, very no, good I, about being not, like okay, no spoilers. Yeah, but uh, John's very good at uh, being like okay, don't don't look yet. Okay, you can look now. Yeah. It's not so much yeah. like I said. It's not so much that I'm a sensitive snowflake about it. It's just like I'm not interested. I don't, don't want to see it. I just don't want to. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, I get that. But I mean, the rest of the show, other than that, is still really good. So I I definitely check it out. It also has kind of like a major spoiler for like a storyline that's further in the comics. Hmm. The showrunners uh, were like, speed oh, this yeah. up. We need to get this in there. Yeah. You okay. know, with, with robots character. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I definitely want to check it out when we're, when Aubrey says it's okay to, maybe okay. he makes us read until that spoiler with the robot. No. Yeah. <laughs> let Aubrey, let Aubrey guide you. I mean, he'll be your shepherd. Well, I mean, after we do the next two Invincibles, we're going to do, I'm going to take somewhere else to go, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they've started, did you guys hear they started filming the the second Dune movie now? Oh, yes. okay. I'm super oh, excited. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited about that. Yeah, yeah, that's something that you're excited about? I am excited about that. That's going to be so good. <laughs> were you a fan of the Dune movie, I can't Hayden? even tell you how much I love that movie. I actually watched the David Lynch Dune before watching wait, the, wait, the new one. Yeah. And because uh, I, I I really like David Lynch, but I've never seen that movie and I've never read the books. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll, I'll compare and contrast the two. Oh, my God. And uh, it's fucking that that movie's bonkers. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. I, I love the uh, the Baron Harkonnen of the David Lynch version. It's just like he, he looks like he's a, a very like fucked up fairy godmother yeah, floating around. Yeah. He kind of does. Just covered in boils and grease. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, man. Good he word. plays it real wacky, too. Yeah, very yeah. wacky. Oh, yeah. I saw that movie when I was a teenager, and I was just like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Let me read the book. And <laughs> My father was, my, my yeah. dad was, uh, he loves David Lynch's Dune. He loves that fucking movie. And so when the new Dune came out and whatever, it finally came out on like DVD and everything. And I was like, Dad, you should watch this. And he was like, oh, I don't know. And all this stuff. So I just like sent him a copy. Because I loved it so much, I knew he would love it, and he watched it, and he liked it, and he he did like it, and so I was really uh, I was really excited about that because he fucking loves David Lynch's Dune, and he loves the books. He's read the books so many times, he fucking loves them, and so I was really pleased that he enjoyed the new movie as well because I knew that he would. It's fucking great. It's so good. So oh yeah, Dude. I've got a uh, a ten hour loop of the Sardukar chant no. uh, nice. saved on my nice. like a YouTube playlist. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Any of y'all ever see the Sci-Fi Channel, Dean? 
No, I haven't seen no, that. No, I I saw a video when the Denis Villeneuve one came out. I saw a video talking about that sci-fi version, and it just looked kind of mm. uh, well janky. I guess would be a good word. <laughs> okay, so I've actually so read. Kind of I've read the book a zillion times, and so I've seen the Sci-Fi Channel. I actually own a copy of it on DVD. It's not bad. I mean, it's definitely of its time, but uh, sure. the acting's in it's pretty decent. Okay. Uh, but the special effects are definitely like 90s 2000 yeah. fucking tv oh yeah i like, wasn't being sarcastic either i was being sincere when i said that's so kind of you because you could have chosen any word and i feel like janky is a much kinder word than some of the words that i have used to describe things that i don't like that much <laughs> in the past so i i was yeah. being sincere like that's a very kind word to use when you don't like a thing well what i'm saying if you can get past the that actually is a good word janky special effects okay right the story is actually pretty good i just mean like everything about this newest the newest one that it is just like everything the aesthetic and the man lighting and the, the way that they did all the sets and the just worms. i mean the acting and the casting and the oh, directing yeah. well, and the uh, cinematography did and you guys watch amazing. blade runner the denny venue 24 oh yeah. Yeah. oh yeah yes. yeah we like oh, that one my. too me and me and my friend tj are like obsessed with blade runner and 2049 and we like every once in a while we'll just rewatch both of them back to back and like drink and it's just nice. it's just a chill night they're good they're good oh yeah roy batty is he's a sweet boy and he didn't do nothing wrong <laughs> to nobody he's a he's a good boy <laughs> um did you hear that they're doing like a blade runner series like 2099 yeah a live action yeah live action series. is it gonna be like on netflix uh, or something they're gonna do that it might be on hbo max okay. i know oh. ridley scott is uh producing it yeah so oh, okay there's so many blade runner like extra bits now there's two different comic series there's one set in 2009 and one set in 2019 right after the first movie yeah and then there's that anime series from adult swim that's set like Hmm. a few years before 2049 and then the news series is going to be set like 50 years after that yeah so wow great time to be a blade runner fan Never been a better time. Well, I guess Dune Talk will be a Dune Talk with Danielle. That'll be a, a new regular segment. Thank, yeah. Thanks for that. That was yeah. fun. <laughs> it will. Oh, man. All right. And now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. And this week, we're going with one of your picks. Hayden, you want to talk about this? I picked Frankenstein Alive, Alive. Alive. Um, alive. Yeah. That's definitely like uh, the shout out. You know, is the Colin Clive uh, line reading from the original Frankenstein, nice. where he's like, "It's alive! It's alive! <laughs> it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive!" When you asked me if I wanted to be on the show, I had already thought before. I was like, "Man, if I got to be on the show, I would have to pick a Frankenstein book." Nice, but which one? Because there's so many Frankenstein comics. Uh, I thought about doing a few issues from the Marvel, like, 70s Frankenstein series. There's a really cool series called Doc Frankenstein by the uh, the Wachowskis. Yes, I've, and, I've uh, read Steve that. Steve Gross. Okay, that's really good. And yeah. uh, it is really good. Did you get the hardcover where they, like, finished up the no, whole story? No, so I've never read the ending because I only had yeah. whatever issues Wait, the Wachowski out. gals did a Frankenstein thing? Yeah. I yes. didn't know it's this. A, it's amazing, too. It was good. It's a, it's but, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. It never was heard about written that. by them. Co-created by Jeff Darrow uh, with them huh. and then drawn by Steve Scross, okay. who is a um, storyboarder for the Matrix movies. Oh, and he draws cool. comics, too. I never heard and, of that. And uh, they like wrote up to six issues for it and then like didn't finish it for like five or six years. And then they released a hardcover with like 70 pages worth of new content that finished up the story. Huh? 
And uh, is it the same artist? Really, yeah, it's just, it's Steve Scrooge still. Oh man! Which he, okay, he, I'm gonna have to get uh, that. Oh wow! I'm gonna look for it right. Oh now. yeah, you should. It's it's really really good. But um, that's kind of you can't find it on digital. So I was like, that's a little bit hard to find. You know, I'll pick something that maybe is a little bit you know more widely available. Right on. And so I was like, oh. Bernie Wrightson. Bernie Wrightson. We're huge Bernie Wrightson fans, so that's yeah. Oh yeah. Good call. You think of Frankenstein, you think of a few people. You think of Boris Karloff, Peter Cushing, Bernie Wrightson. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Gene Wilder. Oh yeah, of course, Gene Wilder. <laughs> it's Frankenstein. <laughs> but aren't you the grandson of the famous Dr. Victor Frankenstein, who went into graveyards, dug up freshly buried corpses, and transformed dead components into yes, yes. Yes, we all know what he did. That's so funny. Uh, my local theater uh, about a year ago was having a like a showing of Young Frankenstein, and I made all my friends go with me to see it. Oh wow! And I was just sitting in the theater laughing like an idiot, and like they were all just like, "Ha ha ha!" Oh yeah. man! Oh, that movie! That movie is great. It's so good, so good. Don't worry, I feel yeah, that so way about a lot of stuff that I really yeah, like, yeah, where I'm just yeah. laughing my oh, ass yeah. off, where I'm just like glued to the screen, just in awe, and everyone else is just like, uh, I guess. Even <laughs> even like just the like stupid stuff that's not sure. really even jokes, where she like turns back and she's like, be very careful, the stairs can be treacherous. <laughs> sure. <laughs> where you enjoy little things, little nuances about a thing, and you know, that's that's just for you. That's okay. I'm oh, okay yeah. with it. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, I can't do the the illustrated version of Frankenstein by Bernie Wrightson because that's not really a comic. But right. thankfully, uh, he teamed up with Steve Niles, uh, one of their many team ups, and they did sort of a sequel to uh, the original novel, but I think more so a sequel to Bernie Wrightson's own idea of right. Frankenstein. Mm. Um, and it's true sequential art as opposed to just illustration of kind of more of a novelization. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's four, it's four issues tells a, you know, a linear story. Steve Niles has said before that, you know, this was basically Bernie's idea and he took the wheel and Steve just kind of helped him finish it as opposed to them working together on it. It was definitely like Bernie Wrightson wanted to do this, yeah. and this is you know what he had in mind. I, I love this introduction here because they talk about being collaborators, sharing a creative vision, how their relationship was more than just, I'm a writer, you're an illustrator. Uh, Steve Niles and Bernie Wrightson became uh, friends and slowly uh, decided to start collaborating together. The first thing they did together, I think, was City of Others in 2008, and then they did a uh, another series called Dead, She Said in 2008, followed by The Ghoul in 2010, and Doc Macabre in 2011. Dead She Said, The Ghoul, and Doc Macabre are actually all three set in the same uh, shared universe. Oh, neat. They're all three-issue uh, miniseries that have been collected into, like, you know, full trades, and each one, you know, you, you see these uh, the characters, the titular character from each one kind of pop up here and there. It's, it's just a really cool little trilogy that I don't think a lot of people know is even out there. If you're interested in um, horror comics or just Bernie Wrightson's art in general, I definitely check them out. Nice. Um, it, are all three collected and, together? Like, can you get like a? Three? Yeah, there's uh, there's like a big collected edition called the Monstrous Collection. Yeah, okay, nice. That's John awesome. is so excited yeah. about this. He's raising his hands <laughs> in triumph. Oh yeah. 
Uh, City of Others is good too. It's a little uh, those three that I talked about before. They're much more like um, succinct. They're like you know contained stories. City of Others kind of ends on a cliffhanger, and I think they were planning on doing more with that later down the line, and just never got around to it. But it's still pretty good. It's got great art. It's actually interesting because um, Bernie Wrightson didn't actually ink any of his pencils. He just colored on top of the pencils. So it's got a different kind of look than like your typical comic. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. And this monstrous collection is like, I mean, you can get it for like 25 bucks. I mean, it's pretty pretty reasonable. Some of his, I've been going through a lot of old heavy metal stuff and he's got a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. And a lot of that really reminds me what you're describing reminds me a lot of like the heavy metal stuff of how people would, it was just, Oh, there was so much experimentation and stuff going on in there. Like that was just like the forefront, like the frontier of like, any weird sequential art yeah. idea you had, just do yeah. it. It's fine. And so he had a lot of stuff in there and going through and seeing some of that stuff is just, yeah, super cool. Oh yeah. Anyway, cool. I didn't mean to uh, derail this. Oh no, you're good. There's another really great collection from creepy, uh, creepy comics. Yeah. That's just, I that's have that just one, all yeah. of Bernie Wrightson's uh, cool. collected stuff. Oh, nice. So fucking cool. Yeah. There's some, um, there, there's some messed up stuff in there. It's yeah. Pretty you, good. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it's good. Well, I mean, you, you pick up a comic called creepy. Yeah. And, I mean, you yeah. know, it's, it's kind of implied, I yeah. guess, but you're doing it to yourself. It's still really at that good. Point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, I was talk a little bit about Steve Niles, uh, yes. for anybody that doesn't know, he is a, a pretty prolific comic writer. Probably best well known for creating 30 Days of Night with Ben Temple Smith. I've read that. Great series. Uh, really good movie. Yeah, I like the movie. Yeah, that. I like the movie. Um, he also has created uh, Criminal Macabre, which is sort of like a um, occult detective series. He's uh, written for Spawn. Uh, he's written Batman comics. He's written with okay. uh, celebrities like Rob Zombie. He actually wrote a three issue series that didn't go any further, I, I think. I don't remember if it's because Wes Craven died or if they just never got around to finishing it, but he co-wrote a series with Wes Craven at one point, a little comic series. Oh, wow. Um, Wow. Yeah. uh, It's called um, Coming of Rage. It's about a guy who finds out that he's like half vampire. I'd like to see (laughs) Wes Craven do something like that. Yeah. Can you imagine redefining a genre several times over in your lifetime? That guy, amazing. Oh yeah, it, it it's really cool. It's it's a shame it's only got three issues though. Yeah, because it you know kind of it just ends like up in the air. And I I think it was because Wes Craven ended up passing right. that they didn't get to finish it. Well, speaking but. of that, I mean, it says here in this in this introduction here uh, in the year leading up to Bernie Wrightson's passing, it became increasingly difficult for him to work on the book and so he realized he wouldn't complete it. So he he picked out uh the person who would finish the book. Kelly Jones. So he actually finished the last chapter of this book and is apparently he worked uh, Bernie had drawn out and we can see actually at the end of this you can see like his work Bernie drew a bunch of thumbnails and all these different layouts and things and Kelly Jones kind of worked from those and that's how he finished the book which I think is amazing. I actually was keeping up with the series as it was coming out. I bought the first couple issues they both came out in 2012 and I was like oh my god new Bernie Wrights and Frankenstein stuff yeah. holy shit. And then the third issue got delayed until like right. 2014, I think. And then, you know, all the news of um, Bernie's health getting worse. I was just like, oh, geez. Yeah. So I was like, that's awful. And then when they announced that they were going to finish it with Kelly Jones, I was like, what? I got that last issue and it was 
Yeah. Honestly, I I almost kind of teared up when yeah. I was reading it because it's just so, I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, we could talk about it when we get to the well, end. Well, and Steve Niles just, says here, Bernie's project was completed in a way he would have approved. I wish Bernie could see the book. Right. I know he would have been happy flipping through the pages, the testament for blah, blah. And so I, I kind of feel like, you know, that's because imagine working on the thing you love most right up until the end. Like, we all got to go. What a way to go. We all got to go sometime. Like, oh, he yeah. was able to work yeah. on the thing that he loved. Right up until the end, like there's there's not a better way to go. Like that's I think that's amazing that oh, yeah. he was still dedicated to his craft. And when we met him, he was so incredibly nice and still dedicated and so kind and really yeah. amazing. And so I think that that's what a testament to his legacy that they were still willing to complete this and that he they had his blessing and everything. And so I think they did a great job with that. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so many artists, you know, will pass and they'll never get to finish. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm something that's really important to them. You know, that's why Stephen King finished the Dark Tower series because he got he got in that car wreck and he was like, fuck, I gotta, yeah. I gotta finish I, you know, this. I gotta finish this. Yeah. Oh shit. Wow. Yeah. It's it's really bittersweet, but yeah, like you said, you know, that what a way to go. That's really all you can ask for. Yeah. And uh but, reading um, this you can really tell all the love that was put into the pages um on each and every page. Definitely. You could it's it's such a I mean just looking at at all, you know, every page is like a labor of love. Yeah. Just like with the original illustrated uh, edition that he did. I mean, those pages are so meticulous and like planned out and just gorgeous, gorgeous pieces. If you if you haven't seen uh, any of Bernie's work from that illustrated edition of Frankenstein, you need to go check it out. Excellent. Because it's, it's insane. Well, actually, before we start, I have a little like knowledge nugget that I want to okay. give you guys. That's not really related to the story. I love but a I knowledge find nugget. A way to, I could find a way to work it in organically. So I'm just going to tell you guys, cause I thought it was really, let's do cool. it. Let's have it. <laughs> so, uh, you know that, you know, oh, there's a real life, uh, Dracula, Vlad Tepish, the yeah. you know, Vlad, the impaler. Right. Right. There is a real life castle Frankenstein <laughs> in Germany. Frankenstein. Yeah. And there was a uh, there was an alchemist that lived there in the 1600s named Johann Conrad Dippel, who was accused of grave robbing oh, and no. doing you know witchcraft and alchemy and stuff. Mm, wow. And he actually uh, also created the pigment Prussian blue. Not, so what? Oh, wow. we have we we have Prussian blue because of an alchemist that what? lived in Frankenstein Castle. Oh that's, wow, that's awesome! Yeah, um, I'm, and I'm embarrassed to admit I didn't know that. That's amazing. That's not even the the main nugget of this knowledge nugget. Lay it uh, on me. What do you got? <laughs> uh, so it's a lot of people think that Mary Shelley based Victor Frankenstein off him because she traveled through the black forest where the castle was. Oh. Uh, she never wrote down in any journal entries or letters that that was the case, but a lot of people are, you know, pretty sure that she had to at least have heard of it a little okay. bit. So this castle Frankenstein, you know, in the 1300s, I believe in the 1400s had a line of Frankensteins. <laughs> and so there was a German knight, I think his name was uh, Friedrich von Frankenstein, cool. who uh, was in Romania. <laughs> That's such a cool During the time name. that Vlad no. the Impaler. Yes. Shut yes. Up. Oh, Seriously? I, That's I'm dead serious. <laughs> I just found this out the That's other day. Great. This German knight, von Frankenstein, no. was fighting in a battle with Vlad no. the Impaler, and they lost, and he was impaled by... Vlad Tepish. So in real life, Frankenstein. Frankenstein versus Dracula. There's your new twist right there. Man, that's fantastic. 
I, I saw that and I was just like, what in the, like, this simulation is fucking glitching. Like, come on now. <laughs> That's great. Wow. That's really good. Yeah, I just, I, I had to, like, just drop That's that. That's very satisfying. So... Oh, yeah. Good job there. I love that. That's fantastic. That was a good little nugget. Knowledge nugget. Yeah. Now, let's get into the actual story. So we open up sort of uh, in media res, kind of, you know, we're, we're sort of at the end of the story uh, on a traveling carnival sideshow, a uh, quote unquote freak show. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they've got posters up for, you know, mermaids and Tad, the frog boy. Um, no unknown. If he's related to Mortimer Toynbee, the terrible toad King. Hidden or terrible toad King. There you go. And we see a, a crowd of people gathering into a tent uh, where they see the star attraction of this freak show, the Frankenstein monster. Jeez. Yeah, and everybody's kind of shocked at first. Then they're kind of like, uh, "What? What the fuck?" And they're like, "That ain't Frankenstein. He's supposed to have a flat head." And where the heck's his bolts? <laughs> they start throwing tomatoes at him, and uh, he he kind of loses it, and scares the shit out of everybody, and they all run out scared. But he and, said uh, he's like he's thinking to himself, oh, I guess I better give him what they really want, which is Yeah, I'm he, he a mindless this monster. Is, yeah. <laughs> this is showbiz for him. Because his calm um, demeanor when he's done, when they all leave, he just seems so chill. So you know it's all an act. He's not actually pissed. Oh yeah. It's very, oh. very interesting. I, I thought that the uh the mention of a flathead and bolts was interesting because it doesn't really say what year we open up on. Right. But with that reference, it's obviously sometime after yeah, uh, at least the first Frankenstein movie. Exactly, because uh, they, you know, they're obviously oh, okay. referencing Boris Karloff. So just interesting to see that this is a world where the book presumably is real, and therefore the movies and everything are real. But we do also have the real life eight foot tall, yeah, you know, original sad boy running around. Like it's like a game of telephone that happened. Like well, the legend of him has like, caught up with him and he's like, all right. Yeah. Similar to the, uh, the Mignola verse Frankenstein, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's interesting because I did read the book, um, the Bernie Wrightson. Uh, it, it is amazing. It's incredible. I could talk about that. I'll talk about it a little bit more. The book is like an epistolary novel. Cause it's like a series of letters and journals that are going back and forth. So, could it be that in this universe, like those journals were just published? Oh, sure. They actually yeah. existed. That, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like those letters where someone was just like, holy shit, I just found all this stuff and put it together. Right. I don't know. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm trying yeah. to think about how this would actually happen. Yeah. I, I think there's uh, there's like movies and like sequel novels where that's the, the conceit is that like Robert Walton, the uh, explorer that finds Victor in the Arctic, like his journal gets found or taken where he's, you know, writing down this incredible story. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, even, okay, so you have the the original novel or whatever, and then you have the movies. Well, like, if you've only ever, if your only idea of Frankenstein is pop culture references, oh, yeah, you're yeah. going to think he's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. right? Like, who does? Yeah. It's like a mindless whatever. If you're like me, you will be fascinated to learn that's not the case. If you read the book, once you read the book, you're, oh, well, the Frankenstein monster is actually this and that. And he gives a whole soliloquy about whatever and all this, the nature of man and all this stuff. And it's very, he's very poetic and all these things. And so could it just be that this is what 
they're dealing with of like all the only thing they've ever been exposed to is the pop culture surrounding this whoever did whatever to that character and it's not anything like what it actually was like which is this guy yeah i think that's definitely the case because it's you know it's probably like rural america they're supposed to reflect you know, us maybe. they're supposed to be us yeah like, your, your average person you know back then probably wasn't doing a lot of reading of like right classic gothic horror you know, they they see a movie come uh, up about a guy creating a monster out of dead body parts. They pay, you know, a nickel yeah. or whatever back then, and and go get scared. And they don't and know, like John you know, said, they don't know what quote unquote actually occurred. Right. Yeah. Which is right, such a right. fascinating idea. I love that they're exploring that specific vein. Like they're they're going into well, what would that be like for him and all that. That's really interesting. I think it would be interesting too to see, you know. Yeah, and a little bit of an exploration on if the monster has seen yeah. the movie himself yeah. and what he because he, he knows what they expect. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he not only like, met, but he, like you, he's like that fucking Boris Karloff. He's like, I don't, I don't, I could talk. I could, I could yeah. read you a whole, a whole I've book of poetry. I've read every book. Yeah. Well, Where he's fuck he's, that guy. <laughs> he's talking about. He's not only living with the fact that people see him and are repulsed. He's living with the fact that people see him. And expect something even worse. Yeah. So he has to become right. that in front of me. Has to pretend to be that. Ugh, I like when he's like, "It's a life." That it's panel right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it reminds oh, me yeah. of oh. that. Uh, it, it reminds me of that, like from the Flintstones yeah. or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> I um, I kind of now want to see this Frankenstein review all Frankenstein movies, like mm. review the Mary, Mary Shelley, Robert De Niro one. He goes, well, at least they got Robert De Niro to play me this time. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. At least they got He's some like, of my finally. soliloquies. Yeah. I got a little yeah. bit in there. Yeah. Or like one from like the Scooby-Doo cartoon. Like, this fucking shit again. This shit again. <laughs> well, yeah. What would he think of Monster Squad? Oh yeah. Oh man. <laughs> oh yeah. Good stuff. Bogus. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I love that movie. All right, back to you, Hayden Orr. So we see that he uh, you know, he gets paid for giving those folks a good scare. He describes that it's a, a good job uh working at this carnival, a good uh a good home. He has good friends. You know, they get plenty of Oh yeah. yeah. He he's like around people that, you know, because they themselves are seen as outcasts by society. Yeah. You know, they they fully they may not know that he really is like a non-human, you know, monster man. Well, he's human, uh, but they don't but care. He's not necessarily like them. <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's yeah. He's several humans. Uh, several, <laughs> technically. <laughs> but, but they're uh, chill with him. Yeah, they're treating him like, oh, have grab yeah. grab a seat, Frank. They're like, you know, you, you're just like us. You know, we're all different from like quote unquote normal people. So we got to look out for each other and, yeah. and create a little, you know, a community. Which knowing Steve Niles and Bernie Wrightson's like horror. Uh, lover backgrounds i feel like this is probably a little nod to the 1932 todd browning movie freaks oh nice uh, okay yeah good catch which is yeah which uh, you know a, a lot of people are like oh it's a horror movie but it's i mean there's one really scary scene near the end but it's not really a horror movie one yeah. of it's us more like a, one of yeah, us yeah. <laughs> Google gobble Google gobble <laughs> fucking love that movie <laughs> But, uh, you know, he, he's found uh, essentially a, a, like a real home where he can, you know, be himself nice. and just, you know, he doesn't have to worry about 
living in a shed somewhere or out in the woods and, you know, chasing his creator around to the ends of the earth. He seems like he's genuinely uh, at peace with these people. But, you know, he, uh, we kind of get a little bit of introspection and he, this is where the real story begins. Uh, He, you know, gives us kind of a flashback. Look at this page. These icy waters and like just the, the shadows and like the snowfall on there. I mean, I said it before and I'll say it again. Every page that of Bernie Wrightson's like work in here is just fucking insane. Masterful work. Look at this page. Yeah. The way that he contrasts all the warm Ugh. inks to the colder tones of this his page, ink wash there. This page is making me cold. <laughs> oh yeah. It makes me want to get a cloak made of animal skins <laughs> and just bundle up. Presumably this is some uh, short time after the events of the original book yes. where he jumps off. He just kind of yeets out of Robert Walton's <laughs> ship after Victor dies. And he's like, see ya, I'm going to kill myself. Yep. This is basically uh, sort of picking up right there. He's uh, in the Arctic alone. And then he uh, notices that Frankenstein's ghost has uh, come back to devil him in his final hour, <laughs> which he sees is, is uh, fitting for him that his uh, creator would torment him even in death. They have a little, uh, sort of a little conversation where Victor is essentially saying that, you know, even if he kills himself, you know, he'll never be forgiven for his his horrible acts. Yeah, he, he killed a couple people, but it's kind of literally all your fault for not caring for the eight-foot-tall yeah. son that you made. Right, yeah. So you, you could argue that there's more than just the monster at fault here. But uh, uh, yeah, because he I, did I like uh, because I, I, I did read the, the book. I'm going to bring that up several times that I've read the book. Um, but, <laughs> but but I think it's... Oh, you read, you read the book? Yeah, but oh. I, I, I think it's hilarious that... Um, it, the monster comes alive. He gets scared and he just leaves. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah. He just leaves. He just, he just goes. He, I'm out of here. And I'm he out. Takes bitch. Off, he just fucks off. And he leaves the monster there. And the monster's just like, I'm, oh, I'm a monster. I don't know what I. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And it's just like, well, that bye. that scene. <laughs> he he's like uh, he's looking over Victor in bed and he's reaching towards him and smiling like a child. And Victor's like, uh, nah. Nope. Yeah. No, 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 no. And uh, yeah, he, he literally just leaves him in that lab. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for being a shitty dad. We have to be responsible for the monsters we create inside ourselves. Yes. We were the monsters the whole time. That's true. But uh, the monster, uh, well, I'm just going to call him Frank uh, for the rest of this yeah, because cool. the the, yeah. uh, the people at the carnival call him Frank. That's just the name that he's going by. He picked it, presumably. Cool. So. You know, there you go. Uh, he, he's he's Frank. Frank lays down to, uh, I guess, just allow the the blizzard to take him and freeze him to death. I don't know if he really thought that that would kill him or if I guess he doesn't know. know he just at accepted. This point. Yeah, he, it's not like they did a lot of experiments testing, you know, the limits of his physiology or anything. So, I, I, his guess is as good as anyone's. During this little uh, laydown, we get a little flashback, you know, recounting the events of the original book. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this. I was blown away by these pages. This page is amazing. Um, just because um, in reading the book, there are all these amazing illustrations of, by Bernie Wrightson, but they're spread out. 
So you, oh, yeah. you you only get like part of the story yeah. from his lens and the parts that you get are so fucking good. So then this is like, to me, <laughs> filling in even yes. more of that. Like we didn't get to see him in the book, draw these scenes, but now I'm getting to see them. Look at all the textures, you know? the wood, the brick, the cobblestones. Look at I, the rain in the puddles. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. When masterful. He, um, when he wipes the, the water and he sees his face, that's a crucial part of the book. I thought that was incredible yeah. to see Wrightson's, you know, rendition of that um just over these uh, couple panels of the flashback i i thought this was incredible i just thought it was like an extra peek into you know what he would have done if he could have Amazing. illustrated every yes. single part of the book you know what i mean or whatever no, oh yeah very yeah. cool stuff i loved it just really i mean you know it's it's insane the uh the caliber of like art that bernie writes and even you know in his old age and like in dealing with sickness was able to put on right yeah yeah all all the small details i mean the the shadow like that the buildings in the background of that shot where he's walking in the rain amazing i mean that i I feel like i could if i walked into that page i could walk up there and like go into that building i mean it's just oh yeah so viscerally real eventually we see the monster uh wake up uh, he's frozen, but uh, the ice is starting to break Look at and him melt. Behind the ice, like what the fuck? Yeah, that uh, once again that is incredible. Knowing that these two guys are like big horror buffs and Frankenstein nerds, this is—I feel like him being frozen as a reference to the fact that there's several Frankenstein movies where the monster ends up frozen in a block of ice. Right. Or uh, oh wow. Specifically, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Mm. He's found in a block of ice by the Wolfman. And then after House of Frankenstein, or in House of Frankenstein, they once again find him in a block of ice, which takes place <laughs> chronologically directly after Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. So that's two back-to-back frozen in, in ice block <laughs> situations. Damn. Uh, and then in the Hammer films in The Evil of Frankenstein, which was co produced with universal once again the monster is frozen in a block of ice that looks like it's just cellophane <laughs> stretched over a square but, <laughs> but you know we uh we take their word for it so well the narrative implications I are fascinating that. and the fact that he climbs out of the ice is very satisfying after hearing all that i just meant like technically speaking to just look oh, at yeah. him behind this that's ice that's just panel, beginning to crack. Yeah. That is yeah. so, I keep using the word masterful, but I can't, I mean, I, it's just, it's so I, inspiring. I that's, that's the best word for yeah. it. I, like I have no clue how he like, just masterful. how he made it look, it looks so opaque in it's parts beautiful. and in parts it's clear. Like I, I, I genuinely have no idea how he managed to get that effect. Just the 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 quality of his 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 painterly skills are just I can't even I'm not even speaking correctly. I can't even find the words. But yeah, anyway, I just uh, each one of these pages is more breathtaking than the last. But uh, so he wakes up, you know, he's like, "Fuck, I, I, <laughs> that the, didn't work." The, the ice didn't do it. Uh, but low. If he'd, if he'd seen if he'd seen all those movies, he would have known. He would have known, but he, he should have fucking better known better. But low, there but, is uh, a mountain of fire here. Yes, a volcano beyond the sea of grinding, churning ice. My keen vision fell upon a mountain of fire. I would have my Viking funeral by flame after all. A final rest that any long ago Norse warrior would envy. Damn, bro. Yes. So he's he's gonna go walk into a volcano. Okay. 
That sounds pretty metal. Which, Frankenstein walking. Honestly, into yeah. that's pretty bad. Yeah, that, that would be a badass like metal cover, like album huh. cover. Volcano just, Frankenstein. Just like a, a Simon Bisley like uh, piece of art or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Just walking into like lava and it's like burning. Yeah. But uh, so he once again he's confronted by Victor's ghost. I don't know if this is if this is Victor's ghost or if this is. His, the monster's yeah. psyche yeah. kind of, you know, giving him a representation of his own guilt and shame. But I like to think it's a ghost, so. <laughs> See, I was thinking it was like a representation of something. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. his, It's his. like he said, it's his guilt and his shame and all this stuff. Yeah. Or it's a good, 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 It's the ghost. ghost of Victor Frankenstein. It's the ghost of Victor past. It's, it's both. He's a ghost He's... and he was sent back to represent something. Cool. We love it. We love a narrative representation, don't we? Oh, yeah. You know, Victor uh, and the monster are still kind of debating uh, all of this, like who's at fault and the morality of it all. And Victor says that he intended for the monster to be perfect. To be human, which in the book, the original novel, Victor uh, says that he picked out the pieces that he picked for the monster were beautiful when he picked them. Like he intended for the monster to be fully like Dude. perfect and gorgeous and like the monster. He doesn't he's not scared of him until he comes to life and he sees the movement behind the flesh, you know, like just moving. He gets that really bad like uncanny valley unnervingness well doesn't that remind you though of so many parents who say oh i'm gonna be a good parent and all the things i have picked out for my child in my head are perfect well and then when the kid turns out to be a a human with flaws and problems they're like oh what happened to you my imagination of you before you were born was perfect i had your whole life planned out to be a reflection of me but you're your own person how dare you you get a lot of that in like movies and books and, and even like people that you yeah. probably know have parents like that. So it's oh, kind of like yeah. one of those things where it's like, yeah. look, my imagination, you were perfect. You were a different way. But in reality, you're this way. What the fuck gives? And the guy's like, look, man, I'm doing my best here. I don't know what to tell you. You kind of abandoned yeah. me. That's like that's like with my dad. He really wanted me to be a baseball player. <laughs> and just like the Frankenstein monster, I kind of uh, murdered you know, people. I, and then it all went yeah, murdered to hell. People and <laughs> Ate some some roots and berries in the woods, and then it and, didn't go you know, well kinda, after that. The the the, the kind of made my own way. The baseball league was like, no, actually, they were like, this is a, this is a this isn't a boy. This is a, a, a seven men you've, sewn together. You've been cobbled together out of dead body parts. I don't know about this. You think this thing can make it all the way to home base? Get out of here! I don't know if we can. And also, I don't know if we can publicize this. I mean, who's gonna want to? Well, how can oh, we yeah. fit that on the jersey? Frankenstein, that's kind of long. Yeah, what, what, what is that? Foreign? Uh, I, don't I don't know about that. Um, this this double page spread. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, no. It's uh, beautiful. I like how everything just looks like real. It's drawings. so organic. It doesn't feel like you, somebody went into a computer and touched up the inks and all to the point where this double page spread. You can see the fact that it's drawn on two different sheets of paper. Yeah. You can see the. Oh, you can yeah. even see the texture in the paper if you. Okay, we're, I'm looking at the digital version. So yeah. if you zoom in, you can see the texture of the page. Uh, but yeah. it's just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, you can see the his his hand in every stroke. You can see all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Not that there's yeah. anything wrong with digital work. I work that way often. Oh yeah, no. It's I, just like I'm not you said. It's, it's. I'm not trying to say anything against. Absolutely digital, not. You know? I, I totally catch your meaning completely. You yeah. can you can really see the physical quality of it, which is cool. 
Yeah. That's the way yeah. he preferred to work. So that's yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you yeah. know, a lot of times, like in mon- more modern, I guess this is a modern car. They like, clean it up. They yeah, they leave that out. That whole black flat is all flat black, right? Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. They clean that up, and yeah. sometimes you don't want that. Sometimes you want to see the the brush strokes and everything. Right. I totally, mm-hmm. I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or sometimes you know, uh, drawing on traditional, they'll they'll do the blue pencil and then ink over that. Right, right, right. Yeah, like this is, you, you describe this is right the way that you describe them the way that the process that they did this it kind of is this meshed together more organic sort of thing. The monster after Victor said that he intended for him to be perfect to be human, uh, the monster says, "But I was not as you intended. Instead, a hideous mockery of all that is human. Whose fault is that, my creator?" And Victor finally, you know, fesses up. He's like, "Yeah, it's my fault for building the monster and then failing to take responsibility for it, but." Victor also hits him with a little, uh, little loop de loop. He says, "It's your fault too for failing to follow your better nature." And he might have a little bit of a point. I mean, the monster killed three people. Yeah, he's like, book. "You murdered my brother, my best friend, and my wife." Yeah, I, I would have killed yeah. you too if I had the chance. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the monster's he's like, "Yeah, I, I, I'd do it again." <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> they uh, eventually the volcano erupts, and they realize that you know. See you in hell. Yeah, it tells him to see him in hell, and then he gets covered in hot volcanic mud. This is That's just fucking. This yeah. panel is wild. Yeah. Uh, also, I gotta say that last line that he imagines or like hears the ghost of Victor oh, right. saying, uh, "Perhaps, but you need a soul to go to hell." One That's last such dig a, like, in at himself. Uh, there. Yeah. Fucking Jesus. But the monster is completely submerged in the mud, and that's the end of issue one. That is uh, wild. But this 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 page with all the mud is just Fuck. fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, it really like it looks like if you stepped into that, you would sink like knee deep mm. into like muck and mud. Oh, and then you know, die of fumes and, and melt. Well, oh yeah, you would melt. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're you're not a you're not an eight foot tall monster man, so you would Ugh. definitely melt in that. But like, you get the impression that that is what that would look like, which is so oh, yeah. rare. There's no doubt that that is for real, and that happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. That. Oh yeah. Like Bernie Wrightson is one of those artists where. You know, even if you've never seen like real pictures of a place, yeah. if he drew it, you would believe it. Yeah. Like that that's just yeah. the kind of artist yeah. that he that he was. Issue two, we open up and uh, we see uh, uh, an excavation crew uh, digging up what appears to be a giant wow. uh, stone or clay humanoid. Yeah. The dialogue is, uh, you know, Otto was right. Not a meteor. Not at all. Really. You, that's not a meteor. <laughs> you, you were able able to figure that one out before they got to it. I'm sure they were like, "What's happening?" They probably just yeah, saw like it was. Pro- it was probably just the top of yeah. his head, and they were like, "Oh, I or, love or maybe this, one of his like, arms or something." Yeah, yeah. I love this weird sculpture, though. Yeah. Like the sculpture that it makes that they find. I mean, that's just incredible. It's interesting that that is how. Uh, I mean, spoiler: we find out that that this is the monster, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it's interesting that that's how the volcanic mud ended up kind of encasing him like almost perfectly in a humanoid figure. I, I just, I wonder if that would like, if that would happen uh, uh, like, you know, they have those, uh, those bog mummies where yeah. people fall into like swamps and stuff oh, and they right. get like preserved. Yeah. I wonder if that, yeah. I wonder if that would happen if you were like submerged in like uh, volcanic earth or mud like or we were just like talking that. about if bernie writes and draws it i believe it yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. oh yeah it's so believable yeah, when he draws it i don't need to see a nat geo yeah. documentary bernie writes and told me how it would be Amen. 
another thing about this opening page is like I like how the um the art is a little softer than it was on the mm-hmm. end of the last issue because it's like it's more just like pencil tones and less sharp ink. Yeah, there's there's not that. a lot of like like dark harsh blacks. Yeah. It's uh it's it's definitely like I've, I've got more uh, more white and gray tones going Look on. Look at the wind right, in the fur of their that lines the headpiece of their suits of their jackets and in their scarves and stuff just like the subtle stuff like yeah. that is always blows me away oh yeah it really puts you, hear you the... there you can hear it yeah you can hear it whistling through your ears and it's just very they probably have to shout a little bit to be heard it's making it's making me think of the uh the opening of the thing when they uh mm. when they're you know <laughs> uncasing the uh the ice block and everything yeah speaking of which they've also they've got the dogs there too this would be a very you know similar situation yeah. if they were to oh, yeah. bust them out in that little that little cabin in there they they get the uh statue on a sled and they get it up out of the hole and we find out that the person leading this crew is called dr ingles and uh you know he's like we got to get this out of here uh, we're going to take it to uh my house and three months later we see them wheeling it up to his mansion, and he's got hot tea and cakes inside for all these hard-working fellas. I like some hot tea and cakes <laughs> after yeah. lugging a huge-ass statue three months across yes. the world. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're in the snow, and this is presumably in Europe somewhere, maybe. Right. So, oh, I mean, yeah. This is fucking, I mean, that's a long-ass voyage just for some hot tea and cakes. Hot tea I and cakes. more than that. Maybe it was just really good. Hot tea, and like really. <laughs> Listen, nice after cakes. a journey like that, hot tea and cakes would be quite welcome. This uh, estate oh, yeah. shot. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just looking at the oh, tiles of yes. this thing, and it's freaking me out. And it's just like I can't. Uh, God, I can't imagine having to draw every single one of those individual tiles. I'd fucking See, lose my mind. But for Bernie Wrightson, he gets to draw every oh, individual yeah. tile. Like yeah, that's yeah. that's the attitude that I'm getting from this art. I'm sure he was like, oh, I get to draw well, yeah. uh, a gigantic manor with a billion uh, roof tiles. Oh, boy. Yes, exactly. But we get to see, you know, the, the this Dr. Ingalls apparently is very wealthy. He's got a huge estate. And uh, we cut to the inside of his, uh, yes. little, his little menagerie. He's got uh, a Fiji jars. mermaid on the left. He's got jars of lizards. He's Jeez. got a snapping turtle. Oh, wow. There's all these... All, All these the little, shells like, in the jars. Look. Oh, there is a Fiji mermaid. Yeah. You're right. Good job. Yeah. The little snapping turtle that's, uh, I presume, has been taxidermied yeah. on the, the right-hand little corner there. I like Every that. attention uh, to but... detail, like the molding in the doorway and everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, Dr. Ingalls, is, he's trying to figure out what this uh, statue is. Uh, and as he's trying to figure that out, yeah, I, it looks like he's tipping it. Over I think it falls over. Know. Like I think like it's yeah. in a crate and then it falls it leans over. Whatever. Yeah, he's I like, like inspecting he was, it. Uh, yeah, I think, felt like he was you know, about to put it in its place in the museum and he's like, "Oh shit, I dropped it." Right. <laughs> yeah, cuz Dr. Ingalls looks like he's uh, you know, he, he's not the buffest guy in the world, right. so I mean, he probably should have had should those, have asked for those help. Bur- those burly men come in and do it for him, right? I mean, but, uh, he he does have a really great mustache, though. It's true. I don't oh, yeah. say that. It's true. His mustache great. game is on point. There you go. Oh yeah. If if he was buff, he'd he'd be a Viltrumite. Damn straight. <laughs> yeah. I just can you imagine the guys who just lugged that across the world for three months, only for him to drop it the first day he gets it all. Oh man, I hope they never oh, yeah. found out. I hope they oh, never. It, 
Oh, no. oh yeah. If they were in there, they'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, this guy. Oh, jeez. You got Damn paid, it. didn't you? You got your hot tea. I'm out of here. Yeah. As long as they got hot tea and cakes, they're probably like, fuck it. You could break it. Whatever. Sure. <laughs> your statue, buddy. I like how they're Teamsters. They're just, your statue, buddy. <laughs> I'm oh, yeah. yeah. They're just Teamsters. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, if you look, if you're moving a mysterious statue from the yeah. Arctic to Europe, that's, that's who you hire. That's union you work. Know? Yeah. You, they're reliable. You, good old union guys. Do it. We're pro but, union, uh, by the way. I don't end up oh, being yeah. mocking. Very, yeah. very, very pro union. Very pro union. Anyway, there's a huge history of uh, of unions helping out people in Appalachia. Hell yeah! I, I'm not going to go into it because it really is. You could look. No, it up. I just there's, didn't mean. Uh, I just didn't want my uh, off the cuff remarks to be taken as whatever. Anyway, oh, no, in no, any no. case, but the big uh, reveal. So the this, big reveal. Yes, the statue crumbles. Doctor Ingalls is is confused. He's I I don't you. You are a homunculus, spontaneously generated and sown, a jinn, a supernatural being, and an angel, a demon? Great God, what are you? <laughs> he was I... partially right with homunculus. Sort of, yeah. yeah. a little bit. It's, you know, give a little uh, Roger the homunculus uh, right. call out in there. The monster scrambles to his feet, the light, the air, everything is, is coming back to him, all of his senses are returning, and he realizes that he failed to kill himself. He says, "I am alive," and he stumbles over. So that's that's interesting. You know, reading through this again, it made me think: Was he just in like sort of an anaerobic state where he didn't have to breathe while he was covered up that whole time? I guess. I guess yeah. yeah, he was probably just like in a yeah. I don't know. Like a like a like uh, hibernation, like a, like a brumation, yeah. which really it lends to the whole. Um, that you know, that's something that we we kind of get is like a theme in this is that the monster uh, or Frank coming to terms with the fact that he's not human exactly and he right. never will be. That's a yeah. that's another big thing is he just survived. You know, God knows how long being completely submerged in the earth essentially, and he's perfectly fine as soon as he you know wakes up, cracked out of the uh, the golem skin. Yeah, he was in like a little dormancy phase and then his hair starts growing back and stuff yeah i was gonna say yeah. it's interesting that he that because i mean his hair I, getting burned off it makes sense to me but growing back is interesting yeah he's like a dormant little nothing and then he comes he gets released and it's all coming back like it's so because he's yeah. not in he's not dead or alive he's just kind of a different thing altogether right, so right. There's, there's no right. rules for that yeah. Oh no, I'm not saying anything. No, I'm just, I'm just I like yeah, it, yeah, I'm with you. I'm like that I is like, interesting. That's fascinating. I like the short hair. Yeah, it looks I like good. Him. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> makes him makes him it's, look younger. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, well yeah, it kind of does. Dr. Ingalls here is um he's a, a, a worldly man. He's he's a, a scholar and a, a researcher, so he's not exactly frightened of uh, Frank. In fact, he's he's pretty nice. He puts him up in a bed, he gets him some soup and bread and what looks like a I think maybe that's a mug of beer. It's a, a oh, nice yeah. wooden yeah. stein he's got. Very on there. friendly, oh, yeah. very nice inviting. Sports coat. Oh, it's a nice little sports coat. Yeah, I love I a sports coat. I love the sports coat. I also love <laughs> oh, yeah. that it will never fit him. So it's oh, all the no, way up on the certainly. forearms. There. <laughs> yeah. But I do like the yeah. way he looks. Kitty kind of has that uh, kind of classic look. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he does. With, he's with got, the way his hair, short cut. hair. Yeah. 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 Get the high waters. The, the ill-fitting sports coat. Yeah. I mean, he's really kind of rocking like a proto Boris Karloff look here. Well, on 
on a regular sized man, well, regular sized man, on a typically average sized person, that would be a long coat. Right, like a winter right. coat, like a, right. it well, would hit at the shins. I wonder if it's like the docks uh, like yes. clothes. Yeah. Cause it looks like the jacket he is wearing. Yeah. So that's interesting. But he invites him to, he's like, you can look at whatever books you want. You can look at whatever part of the thing you want. I'll teach no, no, you no, stuff. Hold on, like hold, on. Wait, oh, yeah. so, hold on. We're not talking about this giant lab shot. This is. Yes. This oh, is yeah, amazing. I was gonna, I was yeah. say, the, this is the detail. Uh, we we, we got to talk about this. So I felt like maybe this was a kind of like a tribute to that lab shot in the Mary Shelley book. There's a giant double page oh, right. spread of when frankenstein confronts victor and he tells him uh i'll see you on your wedding night or something like that right what does he tell him is that the quote that's after victor has destroyed the female bride body that he was promising to make yeah and the monster kills henry clerval and comes in and tells victor that he's going to be with him on his wedding night which pretty obviously is a threat that he's going to kill elizabeth but victor in the original book is so self-centered that he's like oh He's gonna kill me on my wedding night. Yeah. Oh, I've got to make sure that I'll just I gotta make sure my windows. wife is. That's what he says. Yeah, I got to make sure my wife is all alone while I have a gun to protect myself. What a fucking <laughs> dipshit! Uh, there was a there. Nakatomi did a puzzle of that giant two-page original lab shot, and uh, oh, yeah, I I contributed to that Kickstarter and got the uh, the shirt. Uh, that they have the it just says Wrightson and it's got like a, a cut off panel of uh, I think that specific yes it does scene. yeah yeah um did you get the puzzle too no I didn't get the puzzle um I'm really bad at doing puzzles yeah it was th- that was the worst puzzle to do because it's only, only <laughs> yeah because, I bet only because it was all in black and white so you can't use color as a guide. Um, so on and off, it took me like two or three months to you were finish working on that puzzle forever, forever. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but I'll post it in the Instagram story. Well, he didn't get a chance to work on it every single day either. So yeah. yeah. So, but, right, but I right. was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with it. And one thing that made me appreciate was all those little details. details. I mean, gosh, that like, was his only guide was these little details. Like, Oh, I'm going to work on these glass bottles over here. Yes. I'm going to work on this bookshelf, this piece of wood here. Yes. And, and um, it was fascinating gosh, to watch it was, him do it. Uh, it it was a, a, an amazing experience and like a like a crash course in just like micro analyzing. Sp- yeah, because you poured over those pieces. Um, so you you and, got to spend so much time in depth with. This and I feel like he was like, okay, I'm gonna do something else like that. Yeah, I'm gonna do something Hell else yeah. like that. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, he, from yeah. the window, he knew like it the was like near the, the end, window. you know, or whatever. I mean, look at this fucking alligator or whatever yeah. that's hanging there. Oh yeah, the this alligator. There's like a mat. There's masks on the wall. Swords. What looks like a wolf skeleton. There's a box with a mummy in it yeah. right beside the uh the armless uh, lady statue halberds uh, and all the bottles oh, like, yeah. look at the way the light hits these bottles on the desk uh, so many skulls just... why oh, yeah. has this man got so many skulls i know right? like, <laughs> you know i feel like you know maybe one or two that's fine but this he's got too many skulls <laughs> i mean honestly there's a certain point where it just becomes a little gaudy. <laughs> yeah, just the the uh, the detail is is really it, it's it's just crazy. I mean, I can't imagine it's how intense. long this took for him to do. And and once again, you know, I think at this point he was already sort of dealing with the uh, the yeah. cancer. So I mean, he is you know he's working through that right. and still getting this insane amount of work 
Okay, it's, I, it's really just breathtaking. Yeah, it like, really is. You can zoom in on any part of this and just be fascinated by a thousand Sorry, things. I got to point out two more things. Please. So up here at the top, there's like a double-headed weasel or something, or yeah, is it like a two-headed something? Right, but over here, oh yeah, on the that that beam. But right next to it, there's like a taxidermy werewolf head. That makes me think of Cycle of the Werewolf. He did the pencils yeah, for that. Absolutely. Uh, oh yes, Stephen uh, with King. Stephen King. Yes, and I we got us we got our copies signed oh, yeah. by him when uh, when we met. Oh, that's so oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, but so that, nice. I feel like I've got a. I've got a copy of that. Yeah, I feel like that's a reference. Oh, I'm sure. To that. Totally. That so yeah, cool. I'm He's sure like, it is. I'm gonna throw in this werewolf head in there. Absolutely. I just noticed that right now. That's great. Anyway, you should um, you should check out if you haven't read the uh, the Swamp Thing issues that he did. Uh, he has a really fun uh, werewolf fight issue where Swamp Thing fights a werewolf, and there's also a character called Patchwork Man. Yes, it's basically the Frankenstein monster created yeah. by Anton Arcane. Uh, that God, that series is so good. Um, I have some of those issues, but I got to get more of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have the big, like, uh, DC released an omnibus of like the golden age swamp thing, uh, issues. And it's, it's gorgeous. It's just like a giant, you know, like tome of all of them. Are all the Bernie rights and issues within that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's got all, it's got all the Bernie rights. It's the golden age. So it's the first appearance of swamp thing, which wasn't Bernie rights. it was a different artist. And then it's got like the 12 or 13 issues that Bernie did. And then it's got a few after that, but it stops right before um, they get into like the Alan Moore stuff and all that. Nice. But it's, it's really awesome. Yeah. Also really quick. Um, did you guys know that Stephen King specifically wanted Bernie Wrightson to do the, uh, there was an edition of the stand and oh. some of the dark tower books wow. uh, that had illustrated inserts that were done by Bernie Wrightson. Oh, wow. I did not know that. I don't, yeah. I don't think I've seen those. I'm going to have to yeah. look for those. That's oh, that would so be Stephen so King, awesome. Stephen King was a huge Bernie Wrightson Oh, fan, yeah. Which, I mean, when you're when you're working in, like, the horror genre, yeah. like, what bigger compliment can you have than Stephen fucking King being like, this guy? Or the other way for a- Bernie Wrightson to be like, yeah, Stephen. Like, if, I, if you're Stephen King, you're like, oh, Bernie Wrightson wants to work with me? Wow. Oh yeah, that would be. It's just really fucking. You know that that shot is is truly amazing. Yes, and then yeah. we get a peek at uh, Doctor Ingalls' actual library, and it's not as detailed, but it's just as amazing. Yeah, all these all these books. I can only imagine the size of this library. It's got to take up at least one whole wing of that fucking oh, manor. Yeah. Just by itself. I mean, geez. The every single book is independently like detailed. Rendered. Yeah. yeah, rendered. It's just amazing. Oh, yeah. They each have their own wrinkles on the yeah, spine. Exactly. And, and uh. Like I could, I can imagine like walking. I can imagine the smell. You can like, smell. Yeah, you can tell the paper and the books and everything. Oh man, it feels dusty in there. <laughs> yeah, it feels dusty, but I mean, it, it's a good kind of dust. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. The leather smell, uh, the, book the paper dust. and leather. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, I I have a room uh, in our house that I I call my office. Nice. It's kind of it's mo- mostly a storage room, but all my books and stuff are in there. Nice. And we don't go in there all the time, so like it's closed off. And every time we walk in, we get you get hit by like a wave of like book paper oh, smell. Love that and it's oh yeah, it's fucking great. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Awesome. Doctor Ingalls tells the monster because uh, the monster is you know he he says he's read a few books, but he's not really like very learned. He hasn't had a chance to you know study all these different things. 
And uh, Dr. Ingalls being the good guy that he is, is like, well, uh, there's a there's a really uh, easy medicine for that malady. And uh, he offers him the run of his entire library. And uh, the monster says he barely even hears him because he's already moving in on all those books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we see the monster later. He's, you know, he's studying day and night. He's reading every single book he could get his hands on. Uh, art, history, science. But he says, which I thought was interesting, he always finds himself drawn back to human history, trying to understand, you know, humanity and understand this this entire race of people that he essentially isn't a part of, that he, you know, aside from a few individuals, has, uh, you know, never really been accepted by. Right. I, yeah. I thought that was really, yeah. really interesting, you know, and, and makes sense for this character that's, you know, he's he's not human, really. And he he's sort of like an alien in a way, trying to understand right, this yeah. culture that he's yeah. never really been able to be a part of. But, uh, you know, he's studying so much that he's actually uh, exhausted, which is probably rare for him, too. But good old Dr. Ingalls, you know, is bringing him some probably some some hot tea and cakes. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I love this panel here where um, he's like clearly asking questions and the doctor is explaining things to him. And oh, yeah. Teaching Drawing him. A diagram. Yeah. This is actually where we learn that Dr. Ingalls is a medical doctor. Uh, he has a practice that is, you know, in the manner where he sees patients. Aside from, you know, him being very busy with his medical practice, he still takes plenty of time out to help teach Frank about, you know, anything that he's got questions about. Uh, they're developing a really, you know, genuinely, I would say, fatherly and, you know, father-son type relationship almost. And then that's when uh, Dr. Ingalls kind of drops the ball a little bit with Frank, uh, he reveals that he's a, uh, natologist, which is the care and treatment of pregnant women. And that, uh, Dr. Ingalls is privately interested in the research into rejuvenation and longevity. Now, when I first read this, that as soon as I saw that, and I saw this page of the monster, like looking very, you know, nervously yeah. at all these beakers and and test tubes and stuff i was like "Ooh, this is yeah what are the odds is, what are the chances this, he'd run into another guy that was obsessed well. with fucking reversing death and shit yeah but yeah i'm, I'm glad you point that out i love the expression yeah of yeah him oh yeah you could, like oh you could, shit you could feel this is this is genuine like this is somebody that's got like ptsd yeah. you know yeah. essentially that like if if the if Frank was a real person, like a real being, obviously he would be, you know, he would have very very like traumatic, uh, you know, memories of like laboratory equipment and right, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, just gosh, the amount of the emotion that's conveyed there in that one little expression uh, is really, yeah. just really well done. Really well done. Doctor Ingalls reveals that he is. Uh, uh, he's interested in something called the primeval tissue regeneration and his success in extraction of protein humors from the blood of unborn fetuses. And this is something I also thought was interesting because basically he's talking about stem cells, which is something oh, you know yeah. that, we, that we have now, you know, stem cell which is research. an objective good, and we oh, don't yeah. like it. Yes, stem cell research is—it's insane the stuff that they, you know, could could do with it, if you know they weren't being roadblocked at every corner by, 
ridiculous yep. religious conservatives. Right. Like, this is blah, blah, blah. whatever it's it is. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus said no stem cells. <laughs> it's like he said no such thing. Shut the fuck up. Right after he said America. Yeah, exactly. Jesus said America, no stem cells. And and MAGA hats for everybody. That's what he said. He said that I heard him. I was there. And then he and then he fired a shotgun into the air and killed all the Romans. That's true. I just thought that that was really uh, like you know bringing stem cells into it was a really interesting uh, thing because it really is sort of like a the the potential that stem cells have in doing all kinds of medical things is is almost limitless. And it would make sense if a scientist that maybe created, you know, an eight foot tall monster man or a scientist that is able to, you know, do crazy things by that, you know, standard uh, of that time. Maybe they've, you know, discovered stem cells. Right. And that's how they're doing it. Um, There's a really great show called The Frankenstein Chronicles that stars Sean Bean. Sean Bean. uh, Bean. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, We love Sean Bean here. It's a mixing of like real life and maybe some supernatural stuff. I won't spoil it, but uh, it does. It brings in the idea of stem cells and stuff into the storyline in a really interesting way. And it kind of ties all of like the real life Frankenstein mythology in with the actual uh, novel itself and Mary Shelley. If you guys are interested in like, period piece type of uh like thriller drama shows i'd check it out i think i heard i have heard good things about it yeah they were i think they're gonna do a third season but they haven't yet i don't know if it's been delayed or if it's been canceled or what but the two seasons that they do have are really good uh after frankenstein uh and dr ingles leave the laboratory the you know frank says that he uh a sense of great relief as the tour of the laboratory ended and they returned to the library, which honestly can't blame him. And we find out that Dr. Ingalls is married and that he really has a, a great deep love for his wife, Dolly, which this is something, um, when I found Dr. Ingalls, the name, I tried to look and see if that was a reference to anybody. Oh, okay. I couldn't find a famous historical Dr. Ingalls that like would have made sense for them to use as like a reference or like a, a, a shout out or anything. But Dolly, if you guys are aware, is the name of the sheep that was cloned in 1996, yes. I think. Oh, yeah. yeah I remember that. Uh, the first, first mammal ever cloned, which I'm pretty sure, you know, that's probably an intentional reference for this frankenstein oh yeah okay that they named the that character dolly because that's probably not necessarily a common name uh at the time you know this is probably the 1800s uh i just thought that was a, a fun cheeky little that is fun and cheeky mm-hmm. but there's a copy of moby dick over here i'm sorry I, i'm so sorry i just saw this there's a copy of moby oh dick is there yeah. i didn't even near uh even near frank's that. hand that's on the desk that's not pointing to the book that's moby dick right oh there. yes i see it wow I wonder what these other... Yeah, I'm looking at this one. Yeah, I was trying to see some of these what titles, but they're not really legible. Legible, yeah. That one behind Dr. Ingalls yeah. almost looks like it says... It almost looks like it says Hellboy a little yeah, bit, doesn't it? Almost it almost does, but it, I it's think not, it says I can't like... Be. I think it's like Hellboy hey. confirmed for the Bernie <laughs> Wrights and Frankenstein oh, universe. Big yeah. red circle. Yeah. We're going to put it on YouTube. Big red circle on YouTube, yeah. yes. Clickbait thumbnails. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to get everyone all riled up. But unfortunately, we find out that uh, Dolly is suffering from the uh, beginnings of tuberculosis, ah. 
tuberculosis, you know, is, uh, it's this really bad, uh, respiratory disease that was pretty common back in those times. There wasn't really a cure for it. Nowadays there's, you know, obviously modern treatments. I don't know that tuberculosis is really even an issue now, as long as you catch it mm, early why. enough. I mean, it couldn't be anything like vaccines or anything. That's all mm. hoodoo and witchcraft. That's, that's all hoodoo and witchcraft. <laughs> and it takes away my freedoms. It takes away my to freedoms. To become ill to and make, make sure others that. ill. <laughs> Dr. Ingalls uh, reveals that he is, you know, through the infusions of his elixir, has been able to slow the progress of uh, Dolly's tuberculosis. However, it's left her a little bit restless, and she often wanders the halls of the manor at night. And unfortunately, this particular night, she walks into the library with a uh, candlestick and sees Frank and just kind of just loses it. She just just absolutely has a freak out and passes out. I mean, you know, she. this is a, a delicate woman of the 1800s. She's got the vapors. She, she's got the vapors. <laughs> God, I haven't heard that in forever. You know. His expression <laughs> yeah. here where he doesn't even know what to do, like up top where... You know, the doctor has uh, Dolly in his arms and the monster is just sort of getting over this. Dolly had simply fainted, but I was mortified. His facial expression right there broke my heart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's heartbreaking. Because he spent, he spent this whole time, yes. you know, uh, essentially forming this really strong bond with Dr. Ingalls, who doesn't treat him any differently than, you know, any other just person. forgot. The that, shock on his yeah. face. Yeah, it all came flooding back and just like the he's so mortified. Look how long so, his hair got. I mean, yeah. he was he, he had oh, the yeah. short hair and now he's rocking the long hair again. Like that's how long he's been in there, just it, reading shit and it learning. It just shit. made me yeah. so yeah. sad. The realization on his face and just that like Wrightson captured that so perfectly, he, it's heartbreaking. Oh yeah. He literally forgot that he, you know, was essentially like a non human, like Awful. a monster. Yeah, and then the the sudden remembrance of that, you know, is just it's so sad, just heart shattering yes. for him. And then, of course, you know, issue three picks up with him having a, a horrible nightmare where he's plagued by the uh, the spirits of those that he's responsible for the deaths of. We've got William Frankenstein, Victor's younger brother, Henry Clerval, Victor's best friend. And Elizabeth, yeah. Victor's wife. I thought it was interesting that they didn't include Justine, the maid, because uh, in the original book, he doesn't out like uh, kill Justine himself he's outright. The cause of her death. Right. Yeah, yeah, he he frames her for the yeah, death of William. Of William. And yeah, and yeah, she you're ends right. Up she should yeah. be there too. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if that if that was uh, I mean obviously it was intentional. I doubt either one of these two would forget about that, but I I mean I am curious as to what their reasoning would be for leaving. Victor her Frankenstein's out. ghost doesn't care about the maid. I guess. Well, yeah, he, he's like she he's like she's just a working girl. Hmm. We can we can get Jeez. another one. Yeah. His psyche yeah. Yeah. is, is uh, not remembering that. No, part. it is a ghost. Yeah. Now I believe it's okay. a ghost. All right. Now I'm convinced because <laughs> of that detail. Ghost confirmed. Big the, red circle. Uh, all right. Uh, ghost confirmed. Victor Frankenstein. <laughs> the uh, the line work near the bottom of his cloak that indicates the movement of the cloak and everything is I I can't get over every detail in the hair oh, and yeah. the clothing and in the this graveyard uh it, it's you know i i don't want to say it feels like a mignola graveyard because it's definitely a bernie wrightson graveyard right. but it's it gives it gives mignola vibes mm. like 
there's so many tombstones that it feels like there's almost not even ground right? because it's yeah. just tombstones. Well, and I, I'm sure Mike Mignola would be very pleased to hear that occasionally his art would give off Bernie Wrightson vibes as well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that he yeah. would oh, very yeah. much love the comparison. Oh, yeah. So I don't feel he would definitely, he would definitely take yeah, it. I don't feel at all like you're, you're, anything, you're stepping out of if bounds anything, with uh, that. Mignola would say, this is awesome. This yeah. is an awesome page. Absolutely. I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, all these, the, the detail on these, on these headstones, yes, yeah. and then you've got the, uh, on this two page spread beside Frank, you've got this big stone crucifixion uh, of Jesus. Yeah. I was just uh, zooming in like on that headstone. <laughs> yeah. Which is, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big thing in the universal, uh, the first two universal Frankenstein films is there's these big like graveyard set pieces where the monster is like very obviously juxtaposed with like, you know, Christ on the cross and uh, all this religious oh, wow, yeah. imagery. Oh, wow. Yeah, they kind of um, did a shot like that with Roger the Homunculus in his yeah. first appearance. Or no, right, wait, yeah, was it the he, brother or something like that? Yeah. No, it, it was Roger because oh, yeah, the what? brother makes him throw the uh, the cross uh, off the mountain. Yes. And they, he gets hit by the lightning. There you go. Yeah, yeah. In this nightmare, Victor is, uh, you know, he's coming up to the monster and uh, he's, you know, he's like, Monster, wretched fiend, you stand here accused of the supreme and capital crime of murder. How do you plead? And the monster can't even speak because he knows he's guilty of the deaths of all of these people. And uh, Victor says that, you know, his sentence is death. No, something even worse than death. Oblivion. Back to the separate and disparate pieces from which you were assembled. Back to the nothingness from which you came. Full and final dissection and destruction. Wow. And the monster is, he's heartbroken. He's crying. And he agrees that he deserves no better than that. Which is just fucking fuck, yeah, just brutal. It is brutal. Oblivion. Not even death for this. He, like death is such a human thing that he can't even have that. Fuck. Like this is you know he's so non-human in his own mind that he's saying that he doesn't even deserve like mortal death. He deserves oblivion. Jeez. I mean that's just it's just terrible. I love that panel too. Yeah. I mean yeah, just oh, yeah. Uh, in- incredible it's so d- that. That tear coming down, I mean, it's 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 amazing. It just you really feel that like that bleak. Like he he just feels like he he doesn't deserve anything. He doesn't deserve to be alive. He doesn't even deserve death. I mean, it's you know when when you're that guilty that you feel like that. I mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Fortunately, the monster or uh, Frank wakes up from the nightmare uh, by a sound of uh, thunder and rain hitting the roof. He's you know hears the clatter of wagons outside and he decides to check it out climbing up on the bookshelf, taking a peek out the window. And uh, he actually climbs all the way out the window and hangs onto the chimney. Looking outside, he sees that Professor Ingalls is uh, dismissing all of the help, all of his uh, his burly tea and cake men, and <laughs> presumably his maids and nurses. All the people who made the tea uh, and cakes? Oh, yeah. Everybody. Everybody. He's letting them all go temporarily or maybe, you know, for the foreseeable future because Dolly has gotten uh, much worse and Dr. Ingalls is going to have to give her his full attention, which we find out the uh, Dr. Ingalls also had some patients, uh, some pregnant women that were staying at the estate with him. I guess so he could monitor them, you know, more closely mm. or maybe, you know, some other, some some other thing stuff, that's yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do uh, like this. So one of my favorite panels in the book, there's one part where they have a confrontation, uh, Victor Frankenstein and the monster. And then it says, and he dashed down the mountain at superhuman speed or something like that. 
but then Bernie Wrightson draws that and you yeah. get to see like and it basically had like he's incredibly agile and so Bernie Wrightson draws him like he's using his arms to catapult his feet right. down the mountain you know what I mean yeah. like he's kind of like acrobating himself yeah. down and I like that they kind of I feel like they're carrying over he's that so here. Physical here yeah. he climbs up the little bookshelf you see how he climbs up it and then he climbs out the window and he's like Spider-Manning it out yeah. there. You know what I mean? Like that's he's kind got, like, of monkey feet. Almost. I feel like um, they're yeah. paying tribute yeah. to a lot of the stuff from the original novel. Look at work. The, like the veins in his arm, the yeah. subtlety of like the shading and the, I mean, all the, it's really probably. cool. I like that. That's a, that's another distinction, you know, with uh, this is so accurate to the book version, but you know, compared to the movie versions, the movie versions, the monster's always stiff. Mm, yeah. You know, he's always yeah. he's like clomping around. He's strong, but not uh, agile. Right. And then in, in the book, I think there's even a excerpt that says that the monster, like at one point climbs a, like a sheer rock wall. Right. That's the, the part of like 10 seconds. Yes. That's the yeah. part I'm talking about, I think, or he descends it yeah. or, or yeah, or he climbs. Yeah. He's, so, like, like that. He's so he's just like he's like Spider Man like levels of agility sure. with this this frame of this you know yeah. like hulking being. It really adds to the uh, the otherness of him. You know he's so much more than human in terms. Well, of He's physicality. superhuman, but everyone is treating him like dog shit, right? Because he looks even gross. Though, even though he could <laughs> he could you know snap him like a twig he looks with disgusting, one hand. right? But uh, yeah, so the monster, you know, he overhears all this. Doctor Ingalls goes back inside, and he decides to get out of the rain, come back into the uh, the library slash uh, study. Uh, we get this really just awesome two page spread once again. Man. I mean, this giant ma- fucking mammoth? This mammoth. Yeah. Mammoth. This, this dude's got a, a mammoth skeleton. <laughs> well, he, I mean, he said he found one when they undug, when they dug up. Um, yeah. Drink- oh, yeah. Drink- that's right. That's right, Aubrey. Wow. Uh, yeah. Dr. Ingalls is, I mean, he's, this. it's literally like a museum. Yeah. I mean, he's got a, he's got a two headed Komodo dragon. Jeez. He's got a jar with an octopus, a jar that looks like it's got a, like a bat. Thing in there. I mean, there's vampire there also. Yeah, may, maybe he's like a well-organized hoarder. That's what museums are. <laughs> Calling back John to that taxidermy werewolf head in the left, uh, in the very far side of the page. It looks like there's another. Oh right, taxidermy werewolf. It does. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I love a Bernie Wrights and werewolf. That is so awesome. Oh yeah, awesome. Good. Doctor Doctor Ingalls uh, might have known some werewolves. Yeah, or Wolfman's. No, those are werewolves. Wolfman. No, those That's are a werewolf. werewolf. A Wolfman has yeah, the face of a man. We've right. been yeah. over this. That's true. That's true. They've got the snout, so they're werewolves. That's a werewolf. <laughs> As the monster comes back in, uh, he's seen by this young girl, uh, and she kind of freaks out, and she's screaming at the doctor. She's like, I saw him. I saw him again, doctor, dripping wet, tall, in the face of a skull, like death itself, walking through the house. And the doctor's like, look, calm down. You didn't see nothing. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just completely gaslighting Awful. her. Yeah. And he's just like, you you know, you've got an overactive imagination. You, you know, you're... You just need to calm down. And she's like, no, I definitely saw it. And eventually the doctor uh, pulls a really not cool move. It's and not just okay. like 
chloroform yeah right. or like ether or something whatever it is yeah, yeah. it's not okay just, just straight up he's like i'm okay i can't deal with this uh time to go <laughs> on you go all right uh, but you wonder, uh, i wonder if he just carries that rag with him just in case he's all like oh tired of this shit wouldn't he get dizzy <laughs> of the fumes time after for the a rag. while yeah well, he Jeez. puts it in his pocket you know? okay i see yeah uh, he's got yeah, the, he's got the yeah. bottle and the rag, and he just takes it out. Yeah, he's it. like, you get the rag. This kind of makes me think that he's not a, a good doctor. Kind like, of. He's probably, just, he's probably just ethering all these pregnant women if they have even the slightest bit of like, uh, well, doctor, are you sure that this is a good treatment? He's like, no, ether. Ether for you. <laughs> yeah. You get Bad. the ether. But uh, he, he knocks her out, and uh, he's you know he says, uh, for the sake of your baby, you must remain quiet. So we find out that she's pregnant. Which I don't think that's uh, safe to be like, no. you know, chloroforming if, uh, women, a pregnant woman. Yeah, that's that's got to be you know harmful for the baby. But whatever, Never. he's the doctor. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, you know, the the monster sees all this. He's kind of lurking around the museum. I keep coming room. back to the veins in the hands. You know how fucking hard it is to draw hands, much less oh, to draw God. them accurately. It's I, so I'm just mesmerized every single panel of this. Anytime I'm ever drawing anything, I and I get to the hands, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> and and then like you're right, doing the veins over the individual like uh, you know finger bones that go down into the wrist. Tell he just, just like, relished geez. every single time he got to draw a hand. Like that to me is oh, so yeah. what? How beautiful! You get a lot of artists that say like you know they make memes where it's like. When I when I have to draw hands, and oh, it's yeah, like, or it's like I have to draw a car. But Bernie writes, and you could tell, like, I get to draw this, he, yeah, yeah. He he's like, oh, I get to draw, like, you know, all of this really crazy, like, not even crazy stuff. Like, he puts so much work and detail into like cobblestone things we would take for granted. Exactly, yes. yeah, yeah. The cobblestones look real because he made them that way. That's just so beautiful. It's truly, truly stellar work, but. Anyway, I keep uh, I keep monster. pulling us off the story just to be like, look how awesome. But anyway, oh no, I mean we could we could spend <laughs> like know. three I'm hours so just sorry. gushing over the art. <laughs> I know the monster is uh, lurking around. He, you know, he's curious about this. The doctor, you know, just straight up knocking her out, and why she's still here, but all the other rude. guests. And uh, he's uh, he's very rude. I mean, it's kind of kind of a dick thing to do, <laughs> but he's confused. Doctor Ingalls just let all of the uh, the maids and the cooks and everybody uh, leave, except for this one girl. It's very strange, and he uh, kind of follows the doctor up to the stairs and watches him take her out uh, into her room that he has up in the mansion. Eventually, the uh, uh, Frank decides to uh, go into the doctor's lab again, and this fucking page all of these th this contraption up on the top that's holding all the glass jugs and bottles this fucking page it's oh my god it's insane this is like this isn't even uh isn't even a laboratory it's literally like an alchemist's like magical yeah. workshop i mean all these beakers the vapor coming up and the fact that it's like yeah, a different yeah. tone the vapor, the vapor literally wash than the rest yeah, of it yeah. looks like painted on almost instead of like yes exactly that's what i'm saying like so the rest of it is this warm ink wash and this is a very cool tone it's like a completely different wash that he and it's it makes this ethereal glowy effect that is just i'm sorry i keep using the word masterful but i don't have <laughs> I, anything else to describe it it's just i mean i think that's a very apt word to use honestly i mean it's it, it, he 
He, master, he really like. is a master, yeah. But he goes into the lab and he sees what he thinks is Dali's corpse. Uh, he's overcome with with guilt because he feels like the shock of her seeing him is what made her get so much worse with her condition. Yeah. He asks her to forgive him and he, he leans down and he tries to pray. But he, he says that he doesn't even know how to pray or if he did who he would pray to. Because he's, he's, you know, he's never known religion in the way that, like, men know religion. He's never been offered, like, the solace that a uh, quote-unquote regular person would be able to get from a religion or from God. Right. And so he's just, you know, weeping, yeah, right. essentially, because he can't do anything. And he feels like this is just another death on his conscience. That's a very tender moment, yeah. You can feel like this this two page spread where he's leaned over her and he's got his head his head in his hand. Yes, I mean, you could pain. see just the palpable sadness that he's feeling, and then he's shocked. Dolly's eyes shoot open, and they're uh, completely white, like just these zombified, like dead eyes are looking not necessarily at him but looking out well it's interesting he says the sense of death did not leave me so he can tell it's like you were talking about earlier like that uncanny valley kind of like okay this person is dead but moving this is kind of weirding me out so he's getting that feeling that people get when they see him exactly like it's just this very interesting it's like it's like reversed on him he's kind of freaking out too like what you're right that uncanny valley he knows that she's dead but she's there's like reflexive movements that should yeah, not he knows be it. happening. That's when Dr. Ingalls comes in and calls it an interesting reflex. And Frank says, uh, but doctor, she was dead. And Ingalls responds, dead? No, but not quite alive either. She balances a thin line somewhere between those two great mysteries, which is essentially him saying that uh, he's successfully... Mm-hmm. Or I guess successful, successfully might not be the word you would use in this situation. He's sort of trapped his wife in this weird limbo of like undeath. And now that he's got her there, he's sort of just keeping her like that until he can try to figure out, uh, you know, how to restore her completely back to full life. And that's when we get this horrible fucked up reveal that Dr. Ingalls is not such a great guy. The yeah. tea, and, the the hot tea and cakes, uh, were a mask mm-hmm. for something extremely fucked up. Uh, he's got these these stillborns. I'm like, okay, well, they were already. There's nothing you could do. They're already dead. But then he goes on to be like, well, now I'm keeping women captive. So can... you, and I'm like, oh, that's, no, we right. can't do the that. He describes it too. Uh, these Ugh. poor babies, stillborn, premature are the fruit from which the wine is pressed. But still, it is not enough. To make the finest wine, the fruit must be fresh, and these poor little grapes are not. The freshest fruit must be plucked when it's at its ripest, and uh, this time it shall be. The look on on Frank's face and his inner monologue, he says his first instinct was to kill Dr. Ingalls, and honestly... Same. Yeah. 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 Probably should have. Really fucked up thing to just say, uh, to compare, you know, these Ugh. stillborn babies to uh to grapes and say that you're pressing the wine of life from them. Well, That's not even this so it's up. like he's like he's talking about he's like the f- the finest wine. I gotta get I gotta... fresh grapes. And it's like okay, uh, yeah. come on, man. Dude, you're you're talking about a baby. You're gonna kill a baby. <laughs> well, not even yeah. that. It's yeah. just that it's not even 
it might not even necessarily, it's just like to take a woman and hold her captive. Oh yeah. She's he's pregnant. Oh, yeah. It's a live woman. Like, you know, I don't know whether or not you think that her fetus is a baby or whatever. It's just kind of well, like, that's not, she, she didn't, she didn't give you permission to do any of that. Don't exactly. do that. This thing is <laughs> just gross. horrible on so many different yeah, levels. Yeah. Oh good. yeah. And so the monster, you know, he's, he says his first instinct is to kill Dr. Ingalls. Uh, in fact, his hands were uh, already sort of reaching for his throat, but instead he's torn. He's like, uh, I don't know what to do. So he just kind of gets the fuck out of there, which I I thought was interesting. It's similar to Victor's actions when he, you know, first creates the monster. He just kind of leaves. I thought it was a, a right. sort of like a mirroring oh, yeah. of that yeah. action in a way. He sees that um, wrong is being done and he just fucks off. Instead of dealing yeah, he, with it. Right, right. And, and it's it's because, you know, he feels this sort of like paternal bond yeah. to Dr. Ingalls. This is like the only person in, you know, years that's treated him like a, yeah. an actual person. You know, treated him like a person, a exactly. Like, he was nice to me, taught me things and, and treated me with kindness and all this and compassion and everything. And so how can yeah. I possibly, you know, so... But then, you know, he just found out that this guy is kind of a kind of a fucked up dude. And, you know, how do you how do you reconcile those types of feelings for somebody when you right. find out that they are, you know, they are not the person that you thought they were? Yeah. And so he's very conflicted and he just kind of goes out into the woods. Beautiful. And... There's no doubt in my mind that these are pine trees. Gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple of prints of the uh, the original pieces from Bernie's oh, nice. uh, first Frankenstein book. And I would love a print of this, of just him sitting mm-hmm. on that rock mm-hmm. in the oh, in yeah. the forest. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I find this page also interesting because it seems to be like one of the first without as much detail when you zoom in, but it's still recognizable as a pine forest. That's what I'm saying. Like when that. you do, there is detail yeah. though, like well, no, you know what I'm saying is it's it's more simpler than this, the other pages. Yeah, and even Bernie writes in simplest pages are phenomenally yeah. detailed though. Oh like, yeah, it's incredible. Oh yeah. It kind of, the trees kind of give me like a Bob Ross vibe. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know if you guys Beautiful. have ever watched an episode of The Joy of Painting, but I've, he does The this birds thing. love that show. <laughs> I fucking love that show. The, oh, we yeah. put that on in the birds' I, room. They love it. Have you ever uh, put an episode on where he's got like a bird? All the on, time. Like, it's know, constantly. Brings, oh, yeah. Squirrels. Squirrels, squirrels birds. Always, yeah. yeah. But uh, he does this thing where he'll like put a tree in the background and it's just like a few black lines, but it's unmistakably it, a tree. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're like, oh yeah, that's that's, and it looks like a, a specific kind of tree too. To yeah. Boot, not even just like a vague. Oh yeah, that's a tree. You're like, oh, that's a that's an oak, or like that's you know, You're like that's a that's th- a pine th- spruce. No, right, <laughs> exactly. And th- that's what these trees are giving me is yeah. like that. You know, they're they're very vague, but you know exactly what they are in a way. He it's, knows exactly yeah. where to put the brush strokes. Oh yeah, and it's it's just amazing. That. We end this third issue on him. He, he really just doesn't know if he's going to go back or if he's going to stay out in the woods. And we're kind of left uh, on that cliffhanger. Like I said, when I was collecting these, uh, that issue came out two years after the first two. And then that was it for a while. And I really didn't know where yeah. the story was going right. to go oh, when, wow. they, when they announced that they were going to finish it. But we get issue four. And we find out that Frank is you know, still conflicted, but he has come back to the manor. Uh, he says he stayed three days and nights out in the woods and eventually collected his emotions and decided to come back. And he's basically sort of uh, 
kind of complicit in, in, you know, keeping Rachel. We find out this young girl, that pregnant girl, her name is Rachel, that he's complicit with Dr. Ingalls and keeping her captive because he doesn't really know what he should do. I mean, obviously he should, you know, rescue Rachel and kill Dr. Ingalls, but. Or maybe not even have to kill the guy, but just like well, yeah. turn him in get, or Get something. her out of there. I don't know. Yeah. Get out, get out of there. He decides, you know. He's going to come back. Uh, this is, you know, Dr. Ingalls is the only guy that's been good to him in his entire life. So he feels, I guess, obligated to right. sort of, you know, help at least, you know, in some minuscule way. I doubt he's helping him with his experiments, but he's bringing Rachel, you know, wood for the fire and food and, like, you know, yeah. all this stuff. And she's she's begging him, please, I beg you to stay with me and speak, if only for a moment. And, you know, at this point, she's so used to him that she's not even frightened by his appearance anymore. She's begged. In fact, she's so starved for human connection that she's, you know, she's asking him. She's like, please stay and talk to me. Like she's I'm sure she's asked him for help several times. And that's probably also, you know, yeah. adding to his conflicted feelings of being here and and doing all this. But he says that he, you know. Uh, he remains resolute in his work. He doesn't talk to her, uh, almost like an automaton, just unmoved by her pleas for help. The, uh, the firewood that he's gathered are pine tree firewood because the, oh, the, the texture the on the bark is the same wood as the oh, okay. surrounding forest of the castle. Mm. Amazing. I, did, I didn't even... Yeah, I didn't even notice that. That's a great catch. But we find out that he, uh, doing all these chores around the manor, Dolly is no longer... Uh, confined to her bed she's up and uh kind of zombie walking around just creeping around the manor hallways just in a this horrible like trance almost who's the artist that does who's doing this now this looks like kelly sorry yes yeah this is uh i should have said sorry uh this is kelly jones bernie wrightson specifically picked kelly jones to finish the series for him kelly jones is a pretty well-known uh american comic book artist he's worked on uh Batman, Swamp Thing, Dead Man. He's got a very, uh, a very unique style. And I'll say the when I was younger, I did not like Kelly Jones's art. Okay, I thought it was I thought it was weird. I was like, these proportions are giving me weird vibes. And like Batman, like sure. his Batman is his ears are like three feet long, <laughs> and like. I, I just was not into it. But it's but, his, uh, it's his, it's his creative interpretation of that. So, like, as you, you know, experience more and more different things, did you slowly, gradually come to be like, oh, this interpretation is actually pretty cool? Or oh yeah, nice. I, uh, I actually, you know, in the past few years, I have intentionally picked up because he did a lot of work on Batman in the '90s and the uh, early 2000s, and I've, I've, you know, picked up uh, stuff that he specifically did awesome because uh, i've actually really grown to enjoy his work all right uh, a lot but uh so he did this yeah he did this entire issue all this is all him on this one no there's uh there's a few pages that bernie or uh, was able to complete the first couple um, of ones are yeah bernie. the first two yeah, the first couple first two made me think bernie yeah yeah and, and there, then there's, there's uh, some more throughout yeah yeah, we'll we'll point them out when we get to them. Bernie did give Kelly Jones sort of like thumbnails and everything. You know, this is how I want it to be finished, and you know, like layouts and everything. So while Kelly Jones is doing the art, it's still Bernie Wrightson kind of giving the uh, 
the ideas some form the direction, the direction. right and it seems yeah. like in the um you know after the book there's all this extra content there where you can see what bernie did and it seems like uh he's following that pretty faithfully so yeah that's good yeah. that's cool we see uh the monster helping dr ingles grab dolly and uh kind of get her tied down to a table which is even more horrible you know she's already in this zombified state flailing around and it says that she opens her mouth in a soundless scream. So she can't even scream, but she's, you could tell she's almost like she wants to, like she knows that she's in this horrible state and that she's not dead, but also not alive. They tie her to this table. Frank describes her as uh, already decomposing. So she really is like not, like she's undead, like right, fully undead. Right. Wow. But Dr. Ingalls is, you know, he's resolute. He, you know, he's not allowing the obvious signs to get to him. He's like, no, she, she could be saved. I'm going to, I'm going to get the elixir. I'm going to press that baby in a wine press and get the <laughs> oh, elixir. No. Oh no. And she'll be good to go. And Frank is just like, you know, he, he, he could see clearly that this is just, it's not going to work out. Dr. Ingalls has totally yeah. lost it. She was beyond and the veil and beyond hope. The murder of a newborn babe would avail her not. He's seeing pretty clearly that Dr. Ingalls is, is completely lost it at this point. And uh, we get a nice two-page spread here of Frank uh, sitting against Rachel's door. There is some uh, some layouts of this, too, by Bernie Wrightson. Yeah. Um, in the well, back. He, says, a... he's, he says here, uh, I could not speak. The moralist cloak sat badly upon my shoulders. What could I say? I myself a murderer. So he can't actually talk to her, but he's still sitting there to like keep her company anyway, which I find very Interesting. touching. Yeah. I feel like this should have been a double page spread because it flows so close. That it, brick wall. It, it, it originally is, was set up that it way. Is, it's I just think. not yeah. formatted in it's the not comicsology formatted the way correctly. that we're reading it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the old app, it, I could turn it and it would show it together. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> but Frank, uh, you know, is awakened one night, smells smoke, and he races to Rachel's cell and realizes the entire manor is on fire. So he immediately busts down the door and she's already ready. She knows that there's a fire. And she's kind of, uh, you know, knows that he's coming to get her. She's wrapped up in her scarfs and her, her cloak. And uh, Frank picks her up and uh, he's like booking it out of there. He's like, I got to I got to save her. Got to save the baby. That looks like Bernie. Yeah, this yeah, is definitely that, a Bernie I, I think, page. Yeah, this is, this is definitely a, a Bernie page. Uh, and then on the next page, we cut back to some Kelly Jones art. They're running through the manor and as they're escaping, they see Dr. Ingalls kind of like fighting with Dolly. Uh, he's he's trying to get her out, but uh, Frank says that it seems like Dolly's almost sort of uh, you know yeah. pulling pulling him into the flames, like she's ready to die, and she knows that her husband maybe should be dead too, wow. yeah. and so she she just decides to take them both out in one you know one action. Frank sees almost like she's grinning as she does this, almost like a smile of triumph. I think definitely there's a little bit of Dolly left in there and she's realizes that, you know, it's it's time for her and her husband to or go. Whatever it is, yeah. is like this is clearly better yeah. than what's happening right I was now. I'm wondering <laughs> if maybe she started the fire. Like what set the fire? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All of a sudden the thing's yeah. on fire and then you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. something happened. Yeah, definitely. Like the last little bit of Dolly was like, I've I've yeah. got to get, you know, get out yeah. of this this it's no good actually. I'm trapped in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's it's kind of fucked up. I like it. And then we get this awesome two page spread, which is a, is definitely Bernie, right? Yeah. So 
this manor is, uh, it looks like the fire has been raging for a while because it's down to like the, uh, the yeah. framework of the house. Yeah. And uh, fires you know, happen get... so fast. I read something about it. And uh, he's got a point, lot of so. crap in there that's probably flammable. Absolutely. Oh, there you you're go. right. Oh, yeah. That yeah. whole library wing is yeah. just up in one, like, yeah. So much seconds. formaldehyde in that place. Yes, exactly. Yeah, really. He's got all that wine. Ugh. Oh, yeah. No. All that. All I'll that baby wine. Well, Ugh. we just talked about the tomes upon tomes and all. Yeah. Oh yeah, all oh, jars, oh, no, and... all those books. Yeah, oh, that makes me feel so bad. <laughs> it's bad. That is a great page. Yes, very cool shot. Great yeah. two pages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Frank gets uh, Rachel out of there, and we cut to uh, back to some Kelly Jones art. He's racing through the forest. This beautiful snowy landscape. They're they're kind of unfortunately caught in a blizzard, though. And even more unfortunately, uh, Rachel begins to go into labor, which is just like the worst possible timing. Uh, and uh, you know, any I'm piece sure of th- media you consume where there's a woman who is pregnant, it's going to be the worst possible oh, yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, if there's a if there's a pregnant lady in a disaster movie, you better believe we call that Chekhov's start- pregnant lady in our house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. she's going to go into labor as soon as the gigantic tsunami comes. I'll turn to it New off. York. If there's a movie or a show where I see a pregnant lady, I'm like, nope. Because there's going to be screaming in the third act. It's just going to be oh, yeah. ridiculous. Just screaming. Oh, yeah. and screaming and, and push. Push. Yeah, just I, breathe. It's <laughs> ten minutes of that. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I like I'm how, not doing it. I like how even as a undead stitched together monster man, he's like, I have no. I don't have no I don't want to have anything like, oh, yeah. to do with I, this. I, I like yeah. knowing about human history and everything about humans. But no, not, not this. No. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Same. He's like, same, he's honestly. Like, it would be so funny if he like fainted. Like, you know, in all those, like, older movies when, when yeah. men see women giving birth, they, like, oh, faint. Oh, man. Just like, oh, this eight-foot-tall guy just... Jeez. No, the monster, uh, he manages to, uh, you know, he sets Rachel down, and he, he's like, okay, well, baby's coming. We gotta do it. We gotta we gotta get this baby out of there. <laughs> it's a very normal-looking baby. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So normal. I thought that this scene though was really there's there's such an interesting like idea of frankenstein's monster helping deliver a newborn human baby yeah Uh, oh right for sure absolutely he sort of had his own birth you know in the in the original book that was traumatic and you know borderline violent uh, you know, when Victor is like, you know, running out of the lab and, and, you know, it's this really, it's sort of like a, a really fucked up inversion of a birth in a way, but also birth is messy and like loud and scary. Maybe, I don't know exactly what to say, but I, I there's definitely an, uh, something here. Let's go with- to the scripts. Let's see. I had for so long been surrounded by death, and now in the swirl of a winter storm held life in my hands. Not something sewn together from the dead. It's very intense for him. Like, he can't even describe his own emotions and feelings at this moment. Right. It is something really, the juxtaposition of that, I know what you're saying, is very intriguing. And then, you know, it just adds more to, he says, I knew at this moment that I was not the same as this child, that I could not be its father. Coming to terms you know, with that. So intense. Yeah. But it had to take literally to witness a newborn baby to be like, oh, I I get it. Yeah. I get exactly. this now. Okay. I like the uh, body language, too. Like yes. The way he's, the way he's holding it. looking at it and holding it. He's kind of like examining it, like almost like it's a, like 
a loaf of bread yeah. or, yes. or right. like oh, a, yeah. a, a baby cat or something. Like he's just like, hmm, look at this thing. Huh. You remember the time we were in the Target and we saw that dad holding that baby like a sandwich? Yeah. That baby was like <laughs> a week old. Seriously. That baby was like a couple of days old. That baby should not have been outside of a hospital. That baby was so small and weird looking. And he was holding it like it was a sandwich or a football or something. Oh, <laughs> just wow. like, oh my God. Anyway, that reminds me of this. And I love it. You, you're right. The body language. I mean, I don't know that the monster that Frank has ever been near a no. human baby. Yeah. Like in his entire life, this version of, of the creature. So this is, you know, truly like a, a life altering moment for this him. This revelation is yeah. so intense for him. He doesn't even know how to describe it. I like that uh, that juxtaposition and that that coming to terms with that in that way. That's this very sudden moment of like, oh, okay. All right then. Yeah. So, uh, and Rachel knows that there is a uh, a nun's convent in in these woods, and Frank, you know, she kind of directs Frank to it. He takes her there. He drops her off with the baby on the steps, and then hides because you know he's not gonna. It, it's not gonna go over well if if they see you know <laughs> this this woman and her newborn baby, and then an eight foot tall yeah. patchwork man being right. like, "Hey, I help." I helped deliver the baby. You, know, you should call they, him they, Frank. They, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, just a suggestion, you know, I think it's a nice name, but, uh, so no, he, he hides behind a tree or would he, and, would he uh, be like, don't ever name this baby anything close to Frank. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe at he this hates point himself life, and his creator where he got his name from. Don't name it Frank. And definitely don't name it Victor. I swear <laughs> to God. Yeah, for real. Right. What about a Colin or, no, <laughs> or Steven? <laughs> George Hayden is a good yeah, name. There you go. If it's a girl, name it Mary. Aww, about that. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Since we're doing a lot of last names, could be Shelly, too. Yeah. You know, he makes sure that Rachel gets taken in by the nuns, makes sure that her and the baby are safe. And he kind of he goes off uh, to this cliffside. He finishes having that full revelation i knew i was not one of them and i never would be that is what victor would never understand in his vanity he sought to create a man in his own image he did not create a man he made a creature but that did not mean that i would not have a place in this world even if i remained alone even if i am not a man i'm still alive and any creature of this world whether born by science or sorcery deserves to live presumably after this Frank eventually ends up in America working at the car uh, yeah, carnival. Yeah. I like that, and, though. I like that. That's a great way to end it. You know, even if I'm not a man, I'm still alive. Any creature of this world, whether boy, my science or search, is like he's he's come to this new yeah. place of understanding of himself. Yeah. And like you said, he finds he eventually finds a group of people that are like that, that are rejected by most of society and they band together and whatever. And yeah, that's a great yeah. like little epilogue. Found family. Of, found I kind family. Of, uh, I guess it wouldn't have been good without Bernie Wrightson, unfortunately, but I wanted to see where he meets, where he, I wanted to see it wrap around to him meeting the carnival people. Well, we saw, yeah. we saw that. Uh, but I know, but I just wanted yeah. to, right, I wanted, I sure, know, to kind of to, bookend it, sure. To bookend I, it, yeah. I, I feel that, I can, I, just, I can feel I that. I just like seeing them, and yeah. I liked that, I wanted to see, like, 
hey, why don't you come work for us? Yeah, them eating dinner together yeah. was such a nice little He's scene. Like, I totally get that. More of that would be good. That's funny. <laughs> I totally agree. I think that that's those those were lovely moments to see him. But but truly. I think I, I, those first couple pages were so good. I think the fact that it leads you wanting more is is a good thing. Absolutely, you know? exactly. Oh yeah, I, I love that whole. For sure. it's a living as he wipes the tomato <laughs> off his head or whatever. You know, well that. That's almost like another little mini trope in Frankenstein media is yeah. like him ending up uh, in a carnival or like at a circus. Oh, okay. I mean, I could, there, you know, in Frankenstein Underground, he gets bought from that circus. <laughs> <laughs> in the Marvel comics, uh, he ends up uh, when he gets frozen and brought into modern day, he ends up as a, a sideshow attraction and then busts out. And then there's a uh, a made-for-TV movie called My Friend Frankenstein that I used to love when I was a kid that has Burt Reynolds in it. What? Uh, Are you saying wow. to me? Yeah. He's, on, he, oh, he's only in it for man. like a few scenes. It's oh, like I thought those... that you were saying Burt Reynolds was Frankenstein. <laughs> no, I wish. I wish. Wow. Okay, Just, sorry. No, he he's, uh, he's in there for a few scenes, but the basic conceit is that these, like, two young boys find the Frankenstein monster's body, like, as a sideshow attraction in a carnival. It's it's kind of a complicated movie, but that is part of it. Okay, and, and they think it's just like a dummy, but it turns out at the end that it it really was Frankenstein. But I wonder how much Frankenstein media I have not seen. Probably a lot. Probably a lot. There's, oh, yeah. oh, there's so much. There's there <laughs> oh, really right. so much. Frank, Frankenstein and Dracula have. Oh yeah. I think Dra- I think Dracula holds the uh, the world record for like most movie adaptations. That doesn't of a single surprise character. me at all. But yeah, the that ending is so perfect. You know, it's great. That's basically the the whole thing with uh, Frankenstein's monster is you know he thinks that he deserves less than death because he's not human and he's got all this guilt and he comes to the realization that yeah he's not human and he never will be. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve to have a good life, right? Like any other being that is born on this planet you know he deserves just like anybody deserves he deserves you know family yeah and home and to feel you know belonging exactly, exactly. absolutely couldn't have put it better myself and yeah, that, I that, love that that idea that you can create a family if if the family that you had was not good was not a good environment was not they weren't good to you you can create your own family. You can surround yourself with people who are your family. You don't have to be related by blood. That's, you know what exactly. I mean? That's great. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's, I love that. We're looking at the collected edition, Hayden. I don't know if that's if that's what you're looking at here, but it's got the layouts um, and oh, the yeah. notes the- for the amazing, issue four. Um, yes. and, I, and I think it's such a cool insight to see how some of them are like the full page, like detailed, like Bernie writes and actually got to finish it. And then other ones are the thumbnail, which is still pretty detailed. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was looking at this right one. Uh, yeah. I was looking at this one where Dr. Engels is burning with the wife. Like he draws her with that almost grin. Like you can almost see the like it's there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. there in the thumbnail. And then Bernie writes and I guess writes the the script on the side. I think that is so interesting to actually see it written out by hand. Really cool insight into just the kind of his art process. Absolutely. And, um, Absolutely. You know, most scripts are typed up and stuff like that. but he drew his thumbnails pretty detailed and then he like wrote everything out by hand. And I mean, it's got the, uh, the punctuation and everything and it's Amazing. just like spelled correctly. Oh, yeah. It doesn't look like it was excessively erased or anything. <laughs> 
right. his, his thumbnails that presumably like nobody would see but him are more detailed than some art I've seen in like yes. finished comic books. Sure. Like, yes. I totally print. agree. Yeah. That got me too. I I'm absolutely in awe of that. That's awesome. This was a great pick, Hayden. Thank you. I, I was really looking forward to talking to you guys with, uh, about it. Yeah, yeah. And I love Bernie Wrightson. I love me some Frankenstein. Was there anything else you wanted to say as we're wrapping up here? No, I think uh, that's it about the book. Always happy to come and talk about Frankenstein. Oh, um, <laughs> you, uh, always happy to come cool? talk about Frankenstein. Yeah. We're yeah. always happy to have you come and talk about Frankenstein. Yeah, I'm actually. Anytime. Sincerely, I'm so glad you were the one to be here and take us through this. Really. I mean, it was it's fantastic having yeah. you for this. Good job. Do you mind if I plug my podcast? Oh no. Do we please. mind? We prefer away. if you yes. did. Plug please away. Do. I'll yeah. plug it in the I'll send me a link and I'll put it in the show notes. Absolutely. Okay. It's called Last Book on the Shelf. It's just me and my two friends. We are bad about finishing books or not finishing books. <laughs> and so we decided to start a book club. Oh, to to force yes. ourselves to finish uh, books, we read. Yes, so we did. Yeah, uh, we're reading one book a month, and right now it's just one episode a month. Our second episode should be out uh, by next week. We read uh, first uh, Final Girl Support Group, which is a slasher horror book. This month we read Uprooted, which is like a fantasy book, and the next month we're reading Neuromancer, which is like a sci-fi book. Awesome. awesome. What we love it. Yeah, so, Give yeah. us the name again. Neuromancer by uh, William Gibson. Yeah, yeah. I read that. Give us yeah. the name of your book club uh, podcast again. It's uh, it's called Last Book on the Shelf. Uh, it's on, we got it on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Last Book on, on the Shelf, everybody. They got it on Apple yeah. Podcasts. Where else? Uh, Spotify. I think it's on Podbean, maybe. I know it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. There you go. All yeah. right. Awesome. Great job there. Yeah. Very good. We love, we love a book club. You yeah, and 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 just like uh, Hayden said, I also cannot recommend enough the actual Mary Shelley's Frankenstein <laughs> yes, with the yeah. Bernie Wrights and illustrations. It was so oh, yes. I, I had never read it, and I thought I thought it was like an antiquated book. Like nah. I'm not really going to be able to enjoy this. It's going to be no boring. Way. And I fucking loved it to the point where I was reading you yeah. excerpts of it. I, and he I was, was like, good at it. I was like, this is so fucking good. My favorite scene, Hayden, is when they they confront each other for the first time and. Victor's just trying to fight him over and over, and he oh yeah, Frank, so he just keeps es- he just keeps escaping, and then he keeps trying to talk to him calmly, but he just keeps freaking out. And he's like, "Let let me give you another soliloquy because I feel like you need to just really listen to reason here." Amazing, and he was reading me those parts, and I oh I could listen to you read that book all day. I mean, That's really, good. yeah, yeah. Vic- Victor is like threatening him, and and the monster is just like, "Bro, come on." <laughs> That's Listen my, to uh, a reason. Like, that's my favorite part of the book. It's right great. There. It's really good. It's a great scene. Yeah, uh, that book is so. Uh, yeah, some people might disagree. Maybe uh, Mignola would disagree. I know Dracula is one of his favorite books, but uh, Dracula and Frankenstein, like looking at which one holds up better, like as a more modern read, Dracula kind of is not good. And it's like there's some really racist parts mm-hmm. because it was you know when it was written. Right. Yeah. Frankenstein, like by and large, is fairly unproblematic, and like in terms of like holding yeah. up okay. as a novel, it's the writing is still really really good. Yeah. yeah, I would totally agree with that. I would totally agree with that. Excellent, right awesome. 
Well, Hayden, uh, that was great. Man. That was a great episode, and we'll have to have you back on again. We're Absolutely. Gonna, we're going to put yes. you in the rotation with Wes and Ross, where you go in the little box in back. the corner and all that you're stuff. Gonna, we're we're yeah. putting you back in the oh, box yeah. with the rest of them. With some cobbler, and we'll put you over there. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't wait to go into the cobbler box. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We'll send, it, we'll send you some tea and cakes, too. We'll there send you some go. tea and cakes in there. Oh, yeah, some, some, some hot tea and cakes. Yes. yes. Well, thank you for all your hard work this week, and now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. That was Frankenstein Alive Alive. I want to hear what you thought. Send us a hey, you damn guys at bookclubmembercomics at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at bookclubmembercomics and on Twitter at bookclubmembers with an S. <laughs> Members with a Z. It's not with a Z. You got it. Oh, you can also find all of our information on our Podbean website, our Facebook About section, and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Garderharn for the listener feedback theme. Thank you, Paul. Yes, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Oh, I yes. want to I want to thank thank Benny Decker for all the intros he's been sending in. I yeah. forgot to thank him in the outro. Oh, last yes. Week. Yes, thank you, Benny Decker. Yeah, we were so looking in the email today. We we got ourselves all worked up, and we were like, <laughs> we, oh, got dude, we, we got spoiled. We were spoiled. Yeah, we got spoiled by all of your amazing intros. So but, thank you so much for. But those. we're still thanking you. This we week. absolutely yes, very grateful you. for everything that you've given us. Uh, I want to thank you, uh, Hayden, for coming on and uh, taking us on this great journey. Uh, Hayden, thank you, John, Hayden. for doing all your editing. Danielle, for all your amazing insights. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find the podcast wherever you find your podcasts from um, and when you're there if, you, if you're allowed to in that particular podcast format open it up and give us that five star review every little bit helps do it <laughs> our theme music is provided by Only Beast next week we are being joined by Ross Radke for a mystery episode oh, we don't even know what it is <laughs> mystery it's going to be a good time we're going to have Ross on it's going to be fun Oh, okay. what if what if it's actually like a mystery ink? What if it's a Scooby Doo thing? <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, it will be. Oh, I think I, I think maybe I might know. What mm. is. I don't know. Could, I don't know. Could, could it be related to an upcoming project? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll be talking about some upcoming projects as well. Yeah, very good, uh, very good. But if we do end up uh, with a specific comic that we're going to read, I'll post it before. Uh, I'll post on our social media. So the all comic book club. So you uh, can yeah. have a chance to check it out before we talk about know it. Know what's yes. going on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So guys, you know what to do. Get prepared. You know, ready for mystery times. It'll be spooky and fun. And join us next week on Book Club Member Comics. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm a disgusting undead patchwork monster who deserves love. I don't mind. It's a living. Ignore <laughs> <laughs> hey, book club member. And I'm Aubrey Lola saying, Alive! Alive! <laughs> yes, alive! <laughs>